that I could, mm-hmm. if I had a singing voice that I, I guess that I could choose, mm-hmm. it's hard to say just one, but mm-hmm. the way, you know, Simon and Garfunkel, like somehow if I could make one voice sound like that harmony, mm-hmm. you know, it's Scarborough Fair. There's a guitarist who makes one guitar sounds like multiple guitars. You're talking about Lindsey Buckingham, the one I showed you? Yeah. Yeah, I know. Okay. I wish I could I wish I could literally send you that meme with the guy in the, you know, in the in the hot tub with the cigar. Mm-hmm. I know that. I'm coming to America. Oh, yeah. The super. Yeah. <laughs> you are not a keem. Yeah. I know that. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> he, had look, he had this look on his face. He goes, "Yeah, yeah, I know." He was annoyed, you know. It's like, yeah. it's like no, no shiznit, man. Yeah. So <clears throat> I wanted to talk about a lot of things. I like I like that movie because even though it was a comedy, right, uh-huh. and even though it was like a parody, they uh-huh. still they still had like normal normal black people in that movie. You know what I mean? Like, yes. The only oh, you mean like when you say normal, you mean like people who live. Yeah, yeah, just like normal people, like families and like business yeah. owners, and like. You well, know, that just... was the whole juxtaposition. It's like the, the king of. Well, that's that shows you how uh, American black people why they view in reality in real life why they view Africans the way they do. <laughs> because basically, what Eddie Murphy did is he took the whole the whole perception of the uppity African and he just like took it to the to the max. He made it. He well, made. Oh it. wait, wait. No, I thought it was. I think I misunderstood because my impression was. By the way, you know what's funny? I've hung out with more actual Africans mm-hmm. than most black people have. Mm-hmm. By far, by far, by the way. Same. I'm, I can almost guarantee that the majority of black people never hang out with actual Africans. Like I, have, Africa. I have a friend who's from Guyana. G- Guyana? It's, a, it's in South America, next to Venezuela. Right, right. And, he, and he's, but, but a lot of the people there are basically Caribbeans. Like, he's Caribbean, right? So. Yeah, no, but like, uh, like he's Guyana. Black. Guyana and French Guyana and like a few other places very similar. Yeah. There's a there's a lot of uh, black people and Indian people mixed. Yeah, yeah it's like Indo Caribbean. But he like, he, like he, Mississippi Marsala. Remember that movie, Mississippi Marsala? I don't remember. Smoke Indian smokestack was. Oh. <laughs> I was just gonna say like he you know this is a person who like you know they had the British system in his country. He lived there until he was like twelve or thirteen years old. But he's here in America and he like considers himself part of the black American experience. And I'm just like, dude, you're not. <laughs> right. So, so most, by the way, so most, uh, most African-Americans, black Americans, yeah. they're kind of scared of Africans. Are they scared of them? Yeah. That's, that, well, I thought I they just know. had contempt for them. No, contempt. I, no, I just, I'm just telling you from like my experience, maybe my experience is, different than what the overall is i'm just from from what i saw right that some of them are get really nervous mm-hmm. about africans because you know they what do they, they expect to see like general butt naked you know sure. like, <laughs> that's funny you know that's what they think yeah, yeah. Right? and that guy that guy needs to be shot with every possible sniper rifle <laughs> and all of his men just at yeah. once you know that he should just not even they should vaporize him yeah from from, from the memory of existence yeah. So when people like that, like it's kind of understandable, but you know, if you assume everybody's like that. But yeah. I went to uh I remember like in Brooklyn, it was this was not far from Brooklyn College. Uh 
this is a Nigerian. There's a Nigerian bar. It's like a Nigerian acquaintance. We went with him to to the bar, and I was like, everybody's normal, basically. <laughs> like, no, but when I say coming to America, like, you know, people like John Amos. Yeah. You know, and you know my least favorite comedian. Yes. Yeah. Because he, he, when he was, he was like talking about Obama, he goes, he goes, I can, he goes, I can totally take having a black president, but let it be like a black guy that like yeah. I recognize, someone like John Amos, maybe. Yeah. I think it was to be a good first black president. Yeah. You know, like so, like a real black, like a person. He's an American. No, it's like he's a black dude, but but there's certain types of black people that was like, oh, that's that's that guy's American. Yeah. You know, like uh, like the dude from the from the Delta Force movies yeah. that we we just talked about it. Uh, he was in Weekend of Bernie's too. You know, he's the one who died. He died from a yeah. horrible disease. Like yeah. that guy. That's an American. You could, uh, yeah. Like Carl Withers. Carl Withers, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Somebody like that. Just uh, nobody that looks like uh, Al Sharpton, please. No, no, no. Nobody that sounds or looks like Al Sharpton. He doesn't even look. Al Sharpton looks weird. Al Sharpton, you, you, you know, if you look at Al Sharpton when he was fat and younger and, and today, it's literally... You look like a gummy bear. It's literally like two different... <laughs> you know what I mean? You ever yeah. see, I don't mean the candies. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about... Remember there was like a cartoon? The cartoon, was a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like gummy Al Sharpton was one of them. He looked, he looked like one of those gummy bears. <laughs> like, like the grandma. You know, he had that same kind of like uh-huh. facial construction yeah. happening. Yeah. Granny, Grammy, Grammy. One of the kids. Oh my god! Yeah, that weird troll doll hair. But like, he didn't even, he couldn't even, uh, you know, bother to to really let it be like a troll doll. You know, he had to like slick it back all the time. Like, yeah. Um, What's his name? Uh, it was uh, the fight promoter? I can't. That guy's name should be on the tip of my tongue at all times. Famous fight promoter with the troll doll hair. Oh, Don King. Don King. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Only in America. But at least right. he, he had, was more like... He had the decency to just let it be, you know? Yeah, yeah. He, he wasn't doing activism. He was just... Yeah, you know, he, he knew he messed up. He yeah. knew he messed up. He put all that shit in his hair his whole life. Now it's weird. So he just let it be. But Don... But, but, but Al Sharpton? No, no. He has to like slick it back and pretend like he didn't make all these mistakes yeah. with his hair. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, right. you, know who, you know who the actor who played uh, Bernie, Wicked and Bernie's, reminds me of? No, but he... Uh, my, he reminds me of my uncle, my dad's brother. Yes, that's right. This guy, by the way, that actor, not a Jew at all. He's like from Iowa. Terry, Ky- Terry Kaiser from yeah. Universe, Illinois. Yeah. He's in Omaha, Nebraska. Right, I don't think he... I really don't think he's Jewish. I couldn't find any information on it because I was curious, right? Reminds me of my he uncle. Because he looks like one of our friends or relatives that yeah, guy could easily be the guy you saw at the end of the table at the russian restaurant that guy could easily be a a he russian could, jewish guy he but, like he could be like zurich yeah but not russian only russian jewish he his looks exactly be, like an Ashkenazi jewish guy his name could be no, zurich yeah Zorik. <laughs> <Borea. laughs> you know? you, i'm looking at pictures of him no matter where, what picture i see he looks he looks like a yosik you know, somebody yeah, like, like you know, like he's sitting there, and, he, and there's a picture of him with like a younger smokestack chick. It's like this typical, like one of those guys who picked up a, a chick at the Russian restaurant, and like he's so happy to be next to her. One of my, exactly, one of my parents' friends mm-hmm. was a guy who was a little bit older. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was like, he was a short, 
Russian Jewish guy with a with with a mustache, right? And he married this like tall, pretty, and not like skinny, but like you know, like a thick lady, like a you know what I mean? Like she's Is that? Like, it sounds like something like describing my uncle's friend, like thick life, you know? And 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 you know, she she's a. Is he from Kiev? This guy. I think if if we're getting too close to identifying him, it might not be a good thing to. He's not from Jersey, is he? No, no. Okay, fine. But he, dude, sure you're from, literally describing my uncle's friend who like. I'm pretty sure he's from Kiev. What, what's what, what's his wife's name? Liana. No, 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 no. He's not from Kiev. Actually, he's from Ruzhin, but he like lived in Kiev. From Ruzhin, really? Wow. Yeah, it's actually it's crazy. He describes like that. Ruziner. They, yeah. they used to do all kinds of like you know they used to do like his his father, grandfather did Shabbat and and they they would for the fo- for the folks at home matzah. For the folks at home, Ruzhin was like, it was a small little town, but it was mostly Jews, I a think. Big Rebbe. Big Rebbe there, was, there was a big, there was a big Hasidic Rebbe yeah. from, I think, 150 years ago, three more. Yes. Who was from, who was from there. Mm-hmm. So, and they called him the Ruziner. Yes. The Ruziner. 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 Yeah. Okay. Yes. So that's from Ruzhin. So he married, so he married a woman who was like taller than him. Also right. like a thick life kind of situation. <laughs> So, you know, so he had, um, you know, I think he married her when he was in his, the guy I'm talking about, he married, her, he married her when he was in his, bless you, when he was like in his fifties, she might've been like mid twenties or something like that. But wow. she was like this, no, but she was like, she, she's like, she's a real woman. Yeah. Yeah. Like she's a, you know, she's like a, a tall, like, mm-hmm. honestly, like she's a good, really, really good looking yeah. uh, Jewish lady. And they had a son. Yeah. But he was really short. This guy was really short, yeah. you know. But he had all this charisma, and yeah. he felt tough, you know. Yeah. He was the shortest guy out of out of like any of my parents' friends. But you, you don't, you didn't like your instinct if you were near him. Was like, I don't necessarily feel like I can do anything to this guy physically. Yeah, because you get the feeling like he'll do what he has to do. Like he's one of those dudes, you know, because yeah. he's kind of grizzled. You know, there's a couple of cuts on his body where there perhaps shouldn't be, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. You feel like he'll stab you. You know, he had tattoos. Yeah, yeah. You know? like, like one of those dudes. Yeah. You know, he's like kind of like a Nick, like, like, a, he's, like a, he's a survivor. Let's put it that way. He's, he's like, he, he's probably not somebody, he's probably not the first guy you're going to choose to mess with if you're one of those people. Nope. But uh, yeah. So um, when we were, I used to, you know, be friends with his son when we were a little kid. So, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, the guy Terry Kaiser, the guy who played Bernie, yeah. he reminds yeah. me of him. He has that. He has that yeah. look. Yeah, I'm telling you, he reminds me of just the way he, the way they made him walk. <laughs> whatever it reminds me of my uncle, especially dude, especially with walks. the, especially in the second one where he's wearing like the, yeah, what are they called, the jogging suit? Yeah, Sergio Tacchini. Sportivny costume in Russian. Sportivny costume. Sports, co- sports costume. <laughs> For the folks at home, if, you know, if you remember in the eighties, they had the 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 fila. Uh, yeah. What, what, what's the name of it? It's sports. Have... It's no, 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 no. Sweat, we got a sweatsuit, sweatpants. No, 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 no. Uh, windbreaker. No, no. We got to find the name of this. Sergio Tacchini. As Americans know it, you know, like how would Italians? What would Italians call it? So, uh, in Brooklyn. Well, so a lot of, oh, uh, so it's a, it's a, here. Uh, jogging suit. Yeah, jogging suit. 80, hold on, I'm, I'm going to type in like this, 80s jogging suit. Track, track suit, track jack, track suit. There you go. Hold on, I'm just. It's literally called the track jack, track suit. Yes, 
Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Look, no, I typed in I typed in jogging suit, eighties yeah. jogging suit. Yeah, but it's a it's right. a it's a tracksuit. Right. So that that's something that you would see like mm-hmm. Russians and essentially just Brooklyn Guidos. We we used to call it Sergio Dracini. Sergio Dracini. I'm not going to translate for that. <laughs> but you could probably extrapolate. <laughs> just use your intuition, folks. Yes. Yeah. As we've been trying to do. So so tracks so Adidas tracks tracksuits you know like Puma, yeah. uh, you know all that kind of all that kind of stuff. Yeah. 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 Everybody had it. They had velour ones. Remember the velour ones? That's crazy. Velour. That's, they were that's, velour tracksuits. You know they were like velvet and velour. They ah, really, yeah, 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 yeah. They went crazy with it. Yes, yes. Even the, 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 the mothers started wearing them as like uh, you know the juicy whatever it's called. Uh, by the time juicy came along, that was already like. They're still doing it now. These like these like housewife smokestacks of uh, Italian mob bosses. No, I got to tell you, you know, like, uh, listen, I enjoy, you know, uh, vulgarity and smut like the like the like the next guy. Right. But something happened when those juicy suits came out, like, you know, like you'd see a girl. She had a very nice shaped rear end and you see juicy scrolled across like, it right and obviously it's like that's, you know that for for that reason of course yeah, right yeah. and i'm like you know what no no it's Too like much. you don't have to tell me that it's right like, like i don't like you know what, I mean? what are you trying to tell me that you, you know what i'm thinking in the imagination like leave let me do the thinking for myself please i don't need yeah. you to guide me yeah. right what i'm supposed to be thinking all right yeah. in fact because you're doing that now yeah. you're unattractive to me Unattractive, and also, what if it's what if it, what if that body part is flat on that particular girl, and she's wearing a thing that says? Juicy? I'm talking about a case, even when it's. And I'm just like, this is not juicy. No, it's not juicy at all. No, but that's a different. That's a different thing. Yeah. You're talking about false advertising. Yeah, exactly. But I'm talking about too obvious advertising. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. I'd be mean, like, you know, just let the magic happen. Why? Why do you gotta like? Why you gotta like? Because that's hate? the whole point. That was all part of this whole this whole killing of magic. Slow, slow, slow death by a thousand. Yeah, cuts. Obviously, you know we're sp- we're doing shtick here, but we're also telling the truth, yeah. and of course we're using hyperbole, but we're also being literal <laughs> somehow. All yes. this, right? The yeah. truth. But you know, just to kind of like step out of this bubble for a second, there's um I think like Manus Friedman or probably other rabbis too. They have there's like a lecture that's saying nobody blushes anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That's there's a book you, also he came out with. If you, took, if you stole blushing from people, you stole sexual excitement. Yeah. That's yeah. the same thing, folks. Sure. You know, yeah, you well, doesn't to, it, it's like a 10 minute lecture. Doesn't anyone blush anymore? You got to leave something to the imagination to yeah. let the mind be creative and fill in the gaps. That's where attraction, that's where that's how it's birthed. That's where the attraction. Do you understand? Like that's do you want to listen to the 10 minute clip? It's a 10 minute clip. 10 minute clip? Hell no. Hell no. That's too oh, long. Man, it's freedom. There's a, there's a 42 minute clip. That I can't listen to I can't listen to it for 10, for 10 minutes. Fine, fine. Even when I listen to his to his lectures, I always get like a, you know like a, a text clip? message I got to do or my 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 baby's crying or my wife wants something or I got to do you know I got to go to work. You know, I split it up. Mm-hmm. 10 minutes. I'm just playing. I've listened to him for longer than 10 minutes, but uh I don't feel like it right now. Mm-hmm. You know, my mind's going elsewhere. My mind is going elsewhere. But mm-hmm. for the folks at home, 
you know, you don't have to listen to it on Truth Fanatics. You can just go on YouTube and type yes. in yes. Dennis Friedman, doesn't anybody blush anymore? And you'll yes. have you'll have enough to view. More than enough. So so you want to talk about this Yoshka thing that we were talking about yesterday? For like an hour? I don't know. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like I kind of I kind of did, then I didn't. You know what I mean? Like, because there's a lot of things going on. But I'll just boil it down for the for the folks at home and some of our some of our listeners that we love that we don't, but we don't agree with, mm-hmm. or at least I don't. You know. Yeah. By the way, me and Greg, we're not saying you know we're not always in yeah, agreement. We're not. We're not a monolith. When I say we, I mean us individually have ideas about yeah. individual things. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes you know we agree. Sometimes we don't. Whatever. Okay. Mm-hmm. But um, from from all the without getting into everything, I mean, if you want to, or maybe somebody says something in the comments, but essentially, I feel like the Jesus that everybody's talking about, mm-hmm. especially Christians who lived when they say he lived, who who did what he said he what they said he did, yeah. who, uh, you know, who who looked the way that he looked, and all that stuff, all the way he's portrayed is not a real individual. Okay, it is a it's composite. It is a co- composite, but more than that, it is a what's the word? It is a principle. Yeah, they created a principle. Yeah. Okay, they created somebody who, in the in the ancient world, the type of person that everybody, and also obviously in the modern world, you have you know a billion people admire this type of person very, very much, mm-hmm. right? It's like they, it's like human beings created a really, really, really good, by the way, it's 133, a really, really, really good <laughs> um, prototype that they could, that they want to look to yeah. as the ideal of perfection. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, every, then when people start talking about uh, the historicity, yeah, whether or not Jesus was a real historical character, that's when it gets silly because the first actual, like if you're going to be academic about it, right? The first actual like uh, recorded evidence that we have in the historical record apparently is, I can't remember who's first. There's two of them. There's Tacitus, the Roman, uh, the Roman historian, anti-Semite guy, by the way. Um, And, Pliny the Younger. Pliny the Younger. Not Pliny the Elder. Pliny the Younger. Pliny? Okay? Not Pliny. No, no, not Pl- Pliny is a, is, a, is, a, is a word that yeah. Jews use for so-and-so. But for I'm talking God. about Pliny. Pliny is an actual person. There are a few actual people named Pliny. So Pliny is a Roman dude. Yeah. Pliny the, the Younger, not the Elder. Yeah, his, name, his name was Gaius Plinius Cecilius Secundus, born Gaius Cecilius or Gaius Cecilius Silo, Kylo Silo, better known as Pliny the Younger, was a lawyer, author, and magistrate of ancient Rome. Pliny's uncle, Pliny the Elder, helped raise and educate him. Pliny the Younger wrote hundreds of letters, of which 247 survive, and which are of great historical value. Some of them are addressed to reigning emperors or to notables such as historian Tacitus. Pliny served as an imperial magistrate under Trajan. That's another wonderful person. Yeah, but what yeah. I wanted to, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I just wanted to say before you get too far mm-hmm. that uh, these guys lived like a hundred and like a hundred and. He was born, Pliny was born in 61 CE and, and, and passed away 113. 
So he would have lived after whatever people say. Right. And by the way, Pliny. Speaking of 33. Right. And by the way, and, and both both of them didn't actually name Jesus. They just said they just they talked about a Nazarene guy. No, they didn't talk about any guy. They talked about a a, a group of people mm. that with the wording that they used, mm-hmm. modern uh, modern academics, mm. uh, they they interpreted to mean the Christians. Yeah, it's not even really that clear. I mean, the Christians were just they would be talking about Jews at that time, like Jews who are a particular sect. Possibly. possibly. Anytime you talk about Christians until up until the year, I don't know, 200 something, you're talking about Jews. You know possibly. possibly. I mean, that, that is a possibility. It's also there's other possibilities, too. OK. OK, but that is one of them. Yeah. I mean, it could just be a Jewish political faction Ooh, that's, that's, I mean, that's, challenged that challenged the Roman Empire. That's what we were saying yesterday, that that uh, the Romans could have created this guy to, you know, as a, as a, as a scarecrow to go against the Jewish political faction. And right. then rabbis could have created this guy to, to, to make like a thing like don't go against us. It's, it's sort of like, it's so, here's, can I, can I give you, I, I was thinking about, I was working on this metaphor. Yeah. I was working on this metaphor. No. Not working on it, it just came to me really, I was thinking. It's like a game of tennis. Yeah. You have two opposing sides. One of them, one of them created the tennis ball. Yeah. Okay. And this tennis ball was this like idea, this like political idea, this like emotional like story about this this type of person. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And to use it as, as, as a tool, a political tool against their political enemies, the Jews. Yeah. Okay. So they, so they used it and they served they served it like, like freaking like, uh, like Andre Agassi or whoever, like, you know, who's the Djokovic? Who's the new, who's the, who's the best, the best, server? The best the fastest server? Andy, the best Andy, server? Andy Roddick, whatever. Andy Roddick, right. He's, they served it like Andy Roddick, you know what I mean? And then, so, so the rabbis, they took, they, they built their own tennis racket, yep. right? To hit that same concept back. So, so that's been going back and forth like this yep. since then, basically. Yep. Okay. But, nobody, nobody wants this guy. Right, <laughs> no, 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 no. The Christians want him. No, the Christians do. I'm saying the Romans. But they want to use him. Part of what they want him for is to use him against the Jews. For those Christians that do that, you see, one I, of really, I would say the majority in the world, not in America, but in the rest of the world. Okay. Well, well because um, Catholicism is when when it really took. Whatever, whatever the reason is, you know. Um, so, so basically, then the Jews, since this tennis ball was coming at them, they try to divert it and send it back yeah okay so this is it's not a perfect metaphor folks okay but that's kind of how i see it all right well, again this is just how i see it i'm not declaring uh psak din here yeah tell the folks at home what what psak we're, not, din. We're, not, we're not ruling halakha. we're not ruling we're not making decrees here we're just yeah. we're just kind of you know saying what we said interpreting what we what we, we've seen yeah okay so so basically um the reality is was there a guy, a Jewish guy, who uh, started his own following, mm-hmm. who wanted, who was, who was preaching that the kingdom of God is at hand, and that the Roman Empire was going to fall down. Can, can I? Can I? Say- wait, 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 wait. Yes, the answer is yes. There was the about who- a thousand of them. There was a thousand of them. That's number one. Number two, the main guy who started. People think it was Yoshka, but it, it was it was this Paul guy. 
He was Jew, you know. No, so no, you're talking about Paul, who's the one who really started the, who really brought it to the, the non-Jews. To the who made the Jesus story popular yeah. to the non-Jews. That's what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. So, so th that's kind of how you know it spread out. Whatever the Jesus story was at that time. Yeah. Okay. With and we know that's not what exists today because today the the stories that you have they were decided upon at the Council of Nicaea. Yeah. Right? It's a much later date. Yeah, they basically said, let's all agree. Let's all agree on what this is, so that we don't kill each other. And then they still continue to kill each other anyway. Right, you know, things happen. So, so basically, um, whatever it was, while so so so, the Talmud. So very often Christians they they want to either both use the Talmud, but also now some Christians. Yeah. I would say you know again when I say Christians who are like let's say generally anti-Jew. I'm talking about like mo the majority of Christians like outside of the United States and a, and a significant portion in the United States as well. But I'm also very, very aware that there's millions of Christians in the United States and also probably spread out around the world you know, in, in smaller. Especially speaking, speaking of Africa, a lot of African Christians that are, that, are not, that don't hate Jews. African Christians love Israel. You see all the always see them. Well. In I'm sure, you know, I'm sure there's anywhere you go that you're going to find a, a medley, yeah. a potpourri. Yes. Okay. So, so basically, uh, so Christians, they, you know, they would, and there have been famous disputations about this, that the, the, that the Talmud talks about Jesus and that it says bad stuff about him. Yeah. Okay. But I would say there are famous, like, and these disputations, these disputations, what I'm talking about are these famous debates yeah. that occurred in, in medieval times. Between yeah. rabbis mm -hmm. and Christian and uh, Christian uh, Barcelona is the famous one with Ramban. Right. By the way, most of the time, the Christians that the rabbis were debating mm -hmm. were Jew were were yeah, Jews converts like Pablo Christiani. Yeah, it's amazing. It's like almost every time. It's it's absolutely terrifying. Mm -hmm. okay? So so you know, it's just very sad is what I mean. Yeah. Okay. And I, in my opinion, like from the ones, all the ones that I met, the, the best one by far is the Disputation of Barcelona. Yes. In uh, 1263. Yeah. Okay. Um, because that one really talks about that it, Jesus was not mentioned in the Talmud. Okay. Um, so, so you have, so, so basically there's, there's a, there's a word that the Talmud uses. Okay. There are several, um, references in the Talmud that that people want to connect Jesus to why because they they talk about a type of person and we're talking about several different uh individuals that the Talmud mentions that lived in different time periods right but the word Yeshu is used so people stretch that to mean Jesus mm -hmm. but every time that uh the, these people are discussed in the Talmud by the rabbis. They're talking about different people who caused political upheavals mm -hmm. and Jews to move away from the faith to practice idolatry, right? Mm -hmm. And to cause like a lot of problems for the community in general. Mm -hmm. And these are several individuals, several that lived at diff completely different times. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, and all of them were referred to as Yeshu. Yeah. Why? Because that wasn't really their name. So why do they use the word Yeshu? So Yeshu is not really a word. It's an acrostic. Yeah. Okay. 
because Yeshu is spelled with three Hebrew letters, Yud, Shin, and Vav. Okay, so uh, Yeshu, it's an acrostic, it's an, it's an acronym, it stands for Yimach Shemo Vezichron, which means may his name be may blotted out from memory. My friend, you know that my friend uh, used to teach in a Syrian high school. And then when he was, he's, he was, you know, uh, Jewish history, he was talking about, you know, contemporary Israel history. And he started talking about the 67 war and since 73, he got to, you know, talking about the Arabs, all the Syrian kids would just yell out, Oh, yeah, these Yamah, Yamah Shamams. Right. So any, so there were plenty of, there were plenty of people who deserved that title, unfortunately. Yeah. Right. A person who they didn't even want to say him by name. Yeah. And they may just their wanted, names be erased. May their names be erased. So they're not going to say their name. Oh, well, here's okay, you know, Hitler. Shaman. Right. Here's Archibald. May his name. <coughs> yeah. I'm not going to say his name. Okay. They're trying to erase it. They're not talking about Jesus, this, the, who the Christians are describing at all. Yeah. Okay, so um, let, I'll read you some of the some of the uh, quotes from the Talmud that people really bend themselves hard to try to attribute to Jesus. Even though we're talking about several, you'll see. Okay, so it says that. Um, okay, this is a translation. I'm trying to translate it. Our rabbis taught Yeshu. Uh, from Nazir, from from what's the word? How do I translate this proper? It's not the Nazarene. Yeah. Okay, it could be. Um, the, I think the word was Nazri. You know what? Let me let me see in the actual. The Nazri is like. A, no, no, I, I, go, dude, go, from Nazareth. Then no, dude, Sanhedrin. Not necessarily Sanhedrin forty three. Uh, for the folks at home, you can go to Safaria, mm. right, and look up. And don't look at the translation. Look yeah. at the Hebrew. If you can, if you can know how to read Hebrew, look at the actual word. The yeah. translation that you're seeing there, not necessarily correct. Yeah. Okay, so tell me, Sanhedrin 43a. One second. 43a, 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 43a. Almost there. 43a, 43a. Sanhedrin. Uh, Sanhedrin. Sanhedrin. I have the uh, short-term memory of a of a sea slug. So I have to keep saying that. Sanhedrin. I said 43A, right? God, yes, sir. I believe I almost forgot it. 43A. Okay. So let me find it. Um, second, one second, one second. I know it's necessary to write with regard. Da, da, da. Okay, almost there. Pop up at this ton of right. I said it's stated here. Elsewhere. Not been stated. Uh, where Moses was sitting. Nope. Implementation written in the children of Israel. Almost there, folks. Sorry, you know, we're reaching the end. Uh, do you learn from all this? She teaches Rafuna. Second. The sword by which he is killed. Regard to the cloth. Second. Court is obligated. Damn, dude. How long is this page? Sorry, folks. Sorry, folks. We got to put on some elevator music while while. Yes, I'm like gonna that. I'm gonna put on uh, yeah, like the Jeopardy. Yes. People are used to that. You know, they'll wait for you know while listening to the Jeopardy tune. But you know what? Put on the um. It's something they've been that happened to them with uh, the stranger the Stranger Things. Uh, you know, intro. They'll yeah. listen to that forever. They'll forget about the podcast. Let's see. I, I've never. Yeah. 
This? Yeah. <laughs> Can't hear it that well, but one day, folks. Sounds like it's like a Tron. No, it, it, it was what we were talking about last time. The equipment. Yeah. They yeah. use the old ladies' equipment, the analog stuff. Yes, yes, yes. I found it. You found it? Yeah. Oh, let me, let me, let me, hold on. I gotta, I gotta fade out. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Fade out, fading out, and we fade it out. All right. Tolohu, let's say, Leyeshu Vecha Kroz, Yotze Lifanov, Miyom Yeshu Yotze Li. Uh, skill one second. I'll proceed. Okay, so it says here Yeshu. Okay, but let me look up the word Hakros because the word Nazareth is nowhere in this vicinity at all. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. They just they just yeah. stick shit in there. Yeah. Okay, Karoz. Oh, Karoz is a is a public announcement. Okay, mm -hmm. one second. So the crier goes out, a public announcement. Uh enough before him. Okay. That yes, from the outset, but isn't it taught? Hold on. Uh Hasit, at Israel Where is it say? Oh. See, the translation has the word. The eve of Pesach. I don't see the word Pesach anywhere in the Hebrew text. Hmm. Do you see? It's basically it's, looking it's, in the wrong place. No, Sanhedrin, no, Sanhedrin forty-three a, uh, line twenty. If you can, if you can bring your attention there. Sanhedrin what? Sanhedrin forty-three a, line twenty. Oh, I see why this is the Steinzoltz. Okay, no, but still, I mean the text. Oh, the era of Pesach. I see it. It's the last, the last two words. Yeah. Okay, so Zahut, okay. Okay, so the only the only word here that is used that has that people try to tie tie this to Jesus that the Christians are talking about mm -hmm. is the word Yeshu. There's no Nazareth here, there's no nothing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or they might as well have said Jesus the Nazareth, the Messiah, the yeah. God. You know, yeah. they could have put all of that in there. I'm sure some of them want to. Yes, yeah, uh, Jesus Nazareth. No, here, well, the, uh, yeah, the English. Do you see in the Hebrew anywhere the word Nazareth or anything even similar to it? You have, sometimes you have the word Nazri. Hold on. Yeshu Yotza Liska. It's just Yeshu. And by the way, Karoz, you see that word Karoz? That's just, that just means a public announcement. That's not that's not the name of a town. Okay, so the guy they're talking any, about I here. Any, I don't see any. Yeah, I don't see yeah. any. So the guy they're talking about here is a person. It's not talking about Jesus. It's talking about a guy that did a bunch of bad stuff, and yeah. they don't want to say his name. I wish they would do that nowadays. By the way. Yeah. You know what I mean, like some, yeah. you know, don't make these people famous, but whatever. Yeah, yeah. Mousy. So, 
Okay, so so that's again, because he practiced sorcery inside of the idol worship, led the Jewish people astray. Right, that's a guy who they call Yeshu, who practiced idolatry, led people astray. But but it was the Christians who first tried to connect that description yeah. with that. You know, they're trying to say that we're saying something about the Jesus that you guys are talking about. Yeah. By the way, this is a stone that hung his corpse. They, the Romans didn't hang his corpse; they crucified him alive. According to that story, right? Yeah. But, but by the way, for the folks at home, um, if you'd like to know how many Jews were crucified by the Romans, like everybody, tens of thousands. Yeah, not everybody, but tens of thousands. It was, it was a preferred one of the preferred ways of. And it it took it took between four and seven days to die. Yeah. And and Christians, you know, they they describe Jesus. He died in like four hours or six hours. Yeah. That alone would be a miracle. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's what they that's what they claim. Right. That they claim right. that the whole right. thing was that, that was a miracle, and then and then he he rose and right. whatever. And that and that punishment was reserved specifically for people who were accused, and you know, quote unquote, convicted as if there was a real court system there, um, of trying to bring down the Roman Empire. Mm -hmm. Okay. So <laughs> any one of those people was a kind of a, like a prototype for this, for this Jesus that they concocted. Yeah. This, this, you know, that, 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 that Christians pray to and describe. So, so that, that's just one part. So another, um, another reference that was for the folks at home, that was uh, Sanhedrin 43a. The next one we're going to look at is Sanhedrin 107. Uh, it's, it uses the word Yeshu there. Right. And it's, it talks about somebody that offended his teacher by paying too much attention to an innkeeper's wife. Yeah. And by the way, this, this particular, uh, <clears throat> this particular circumstance event happened like a hundred years before Jesus was supposed to have been living. Okay. So no. each one of these things that I'm going to mention, they have completely different time periods, right? They're like all over the spectrum. And none of them happened exactly when Christians are saying Jesus should have been living, you know? Yeah. A lot of them happened way before. Come back and say, well, it doesn't matter. It's the idea. It's this. It's that. Okay, so if they, so if that's what you're saying, right? Then you can't say, if you're saying to me, if you're a Christian, you're saying to me, it's the idea that's important, not the historicity. It's about the feeling, the faith, the ta ta ta. Okay, but don't try to say that it's accurate to the text. Well, not only that, and it's the and it and it's found in the Talmud, and yeah. that. Um, and that it's some kind of it's it's historical. Yeah, and not only that, the, 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 the our calendar is based on his life right. on that timeline that 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 Christians keep so you know so like clockwork, right? Yeah. So so basically, I mean, there's other reasons for that besides you yeah. know there's deeper reasons you know beyond the cover, the surface layer of what people call Christianity. There's a whole yeah. underbelly of yeah. like hermetic, you know, secret society yeah. type stuff mm -hmm. that that you know the reasons for that is like astronomical stuff and you know yeah. stuff that the ancients knew okay yeah. Yeah. so basically um yeah okay so this so again the word yeshu was used so they say oh that's jesus see no okay so and then you have in in the in the talmud you have uh a volume called gitin gitin which is about it's it's the laws of divorce okay on page 56b and 57a, there's a story told about Unclus, uh, who is the primary uh, translator of the, he, he did the first major 
translation of the Torah into Aramaic. He was a Roman uh, convert. Okay, he was actually, I think, the nephew of Titus. Okay, the Emperor Titus, the one who actually smacked. Well, there's that story. Uh, uh, this guy, actually, it was funny. The, uh, yesterday, there was a guy at Shalashudas, an uh, Israeli guy, told the story of Uncle as how, you know, uh, Uncle uh, Titus was very upset that his, that his, that his nephew converted. This is, I don't, this is a story in the Gemara. We don't know if this is a true story, but it's a story in the Gemara. And he sent, uh, you know, like a, like a unit, like a military unit to go retrieve Onkelos. And basically when they got there, the first time, the first unit he sent, you know, Onkelos was like, basically started, basically, you know, telling them about Judaism and they all converted. So then Titus got wind of this and he was like, okay, sent another troop. And he told these guys, do not talk to him about Torah. Whatever you do, talk to him anything about Torah. They talked to him and he, he said some, I remember the details, but basically he, okay. like, he, I mean, the, he sent entire legions of Roman. Legions, like, so he converted those to the second. And then the third guys, the guys told him straight up, don't talk to him at all. And then, so what happened was they were like, they didn't talk to him. They didn't answer any of his questions. They didn't respond to him. And then they were leaving as they were leaving his house. They, they finally got him out of the house. He, he asked them, do you know what this thing is? He puts a mezuzah and none of them answer. And then he's like, this is so-and-such and such-and-such. And such. You know, who, he's like, who protects you? The, the, uh, the one who, uh, something like th this object or the one who told you to put this object on the wall? Who, who, who's your protector? The king or the one, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, so basically they like listen to him and they, the third troop, all three troops converted to Judaism. And that, that, that's basically the... Uh, What's his name? He basically gave up. He gave up trying to get his uh, his nephew back. Yeah. So this guy, Uncleus, right in the Talmud. Uh, by the way, that I think that, that account that you were just talking about. I mean, on, that was probably a, a gothic on on some level. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So it's like it's like whether or not it literally occurred. Yeah. The way that the story was constructed yeah. was it's coded text with a lot of concepts built into it. As we know from Rabbi, uh, what's his text. name? Wine. Oh, I know. He used to say two things. He said, he said, if if the story is not true, then it should be true. And they don't tell stories about like that about you or me. I, I, I agree. I agree with that sentiment. I just don't believe that 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 what he said applies to uh, anything like from the Masara, like either the Talmud or Midrash or God yeah. or or Tanakh. I think he, now. I'm not sure, but I think he's probably talking about like stories of Sadiqim. Yeah, like like uh, what's his name, uh, the, you know, Karl Bach and yeah, like when you, even, when or you, even the or even Balshemta. Right. When you when basically the, the attitude is like this. I've heard it a different way. What you just said. Mm -hmm. um, if you hear stories about you know about our heroes, right, from the recent past or slightly further back in time, from medieval times, whatever, right? Um, if you believe them, you are a fool. Yeah. But if you don't believe them, you're a heretic. Yes. yes. Right? So there has to yes. basically it's like, you know, there, there has to be like some balance. Like just, believe the believe the message, not necessarily the story, but believe the message. Right. right. And also, like like you said, what Vera Wine said, that they're not writing stories like that about you and me. So, you know, just take that into account why something like this got out about this person. Okay. And you know, th these people didn't have hype men. Mm-mm. You know, they didn't have heralds nope. announcing their arrival, saying, oh, this guy's awesome. You know, there's just, it just was. Yep. So Uncleus, who lived uh, 
I think 1800 years ago, maybe more, I'm not sure, maybe less, somewhere oh, around that time. Yeah. Uh, he would, no, actually, no, it was more, yeah, exactly. like 1900 years ago. He lived, he lived uh, from 35 to 120 C. Okay. Oh, wow, he looks like he was 85 years old. Yeah. So, so, right. So he, again, Roman, Roman guy, nephew of Titus, the emperor, the, the same one who, when he was a general, uh, apparently broke down the, te the second temple. And he's, he has one of the uncles is one of the main commentators on the Humish. He, that's he is. Crazy. That's actually right. You see, what I said about him before was that uh, he was a translation. He translated the, the Torah mm -hmm. into Aramaic, mm -hmm. which is, which is, it's, it's, it sounds like, it looks like a similar language to Hebrew, but it's the, it's the conversational language that most of the Middle East spoke. It's actually, uh, if you watch, speaking of, if you watch Passion of the Kavizil, uh, actually, I don't recommend watching that movie if you want to hear Aramaic, because even people who, even Christians yeah. who speak Aramaic, perhaps like Hadas, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I've heard from them that they butchered it horribly. That it was just. It was but it was, at least it was ridiculous. an attempt. It, at least it was. A lot of people were saying it was. It was at least a, a thing of like, you know, instead of making, you know, how they make every movie with like British actors. I know it would have been honestly. I'll tell you, it would have been better. British. <laughs> it would have been better because if you're gonna look, if you're gonna do a language, then do it right. Then hire like hire. Well, you're not gonna get yeshiva guys to participate in this. Yeah. Yeah. But the other there's other people that speaks uh, different versions of Aramaic. There's, you know, like, there's uh, what are they called? Assyrian in, in, in Syria and around the Middle yeah. East that still speak uh, a dialect of Aramaic. You yeah. could use them, you know, and it wouldn't have been as embarrassing. But anyway, yeah. so well, I'm not gonna give tips to Mel Gibson. Yeah. On how to on how to Farrakhan us for the rest of his life. Yes. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Gibson and Farrakhan, same guy. Anyway, so so basically, so, so basically, one is actually a talented director, right? I gotta give both. Right. So, 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 just I'm gonna bring it back to the original thing, so, so we can like, yeah, get through this. So basically, there's in in Gitin in the volume of Talmud, which is called Gitin, G I. T T I N, which talks, about, which talks about laws of like divorce and stuff. The laws of divorce, right? Um, so page fifty-six B and fifty-seven A, right? So Uncleus, this this famous convert who translated into Arabic, but see, there's no such thing as a translation. Yeah. So his, even though it was, it was a translation, it was primarily uh, a commentary. So it's one of our oldest commentaries on 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 the Torah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so there's a story about him that's brought in the Talmud that says that he summoned the spirit of Yeshu, who, of course, uh, Christian, uh, you know, Christian priests, Catholic priests in the Middle Ages, they wanted to say that this story is is referring to Jesus, that we're talking about Jesus here. Mm -hmm. But it's, again, it's just somebody named Yeshu, who's mm -hmm. a person, one of hundreds, okay? Who caused a lot of problems okay yeah. so he called upon the spirit of one of these guys okay the person who sought to harm israel from you know one of us a jew who sought to harm israel okay from a from from that generation sir before he, he describes his punishment in the afterlife as boiling an excrement so of course christians want to say oh see what see see how they're talking about jesus yeah but the nachmanides is not talking about you know he's saying that this is not referring to who you guys are talking about yeah before we go on, uh, I, I need to use the boys' room. Is that okay? Don't miss. Don't miss. Thank you. I'm going to pause the recording. Hit the mark. 
answer it back. All right. <laughs> okay, so three complete cycles. Three. Oh yeah. Sorry. Okay, so that's about six minutes, maybe, maybe a little bit more. Sorry about that. That was six minutes? Well, I mean, if each one is about two minutes, 40, no. I apologize. No, it's a minute. It's a minute. My bad. My bad. I was looking at something else. All right. Hmm. So um, I wanted to get through some of these sources because I actually wanted to say something about the idea mm -hmm. that Christians have about Jesus mm -hmm. and why that idea is powerful and why it's important yeah. and the role that it has in this great cosmic drama that we are. And then maybe related to what we're talking about today with this whole communism thing. And it, I think so. We can get into that. I think so, but all the way at the end. Hmm. Okay. Um, we're not trying to say that, that, uh, that Jesus created communism, folks. That's not, don't worry. When you get there, you'll see what we're talking about. Okay. So, um, so basically, this, this third example of what people like to point to in the Talmud and say, oh, see, that's Jesus, right? Is when Unculus, we described many times already, he summoned the spirit of Yeshu. Okay, mm -hmm. uh, not Jesus, folks. Okay, uh, and he describes the punishment. He describes his punishment in the afterlife as boiling in excrement, which yeah. is, of course, an agotic thing. There's no. He's not. Nobody's literally boiling in excrement. Okay. I was. I, well, it's funny you said that because we were talking about yesterday how you know if you read the book Minchat Yehuda by Rabbi Yehuda Fataya, he actually claims to have gotten him out of that situation again a, a guy named yeshu who was put into the situation yeah. not jesus folks yeah but for what for what reason and why mention do you think it? do you think that rabbi fataya you're you're reading the english translation does fataya say jesus um or he, or he says yeshu okay on. it might actually help to to learn more about the uh, these people who the Talmud sure. is talking about. There's information about them. So in the, in get the, to know them as individuals, so it'll in be much harder to confuse them. So listen, so in the website, uh, myjewishlearning.com, which is, which is a, you know, like legit website here. I don't think so, by the oh, way. So listen, ah, so listen to this. There you go. Here, listen to this. This guy's writing about extra, Jewish exorcism, Rabbi Jeffrey Dennis. Exorcism is a ritual power performed in order to drive an evil spirit, whether demonic or ghostly, from a possessed person, location, or object. The Christian scholar, Origen, credits Jews with a special talent for exorcising demons. Uh, against Celsus Book 4, I don't know what this is. The first allusion to exorcism appears in the Bible in the youth narratives of, of David in uh, Shmuel 1. But while the biblical David seemed to be able to affect temporary expulsion of Shaul's evil spirit using music, the book of Tobit, I don't know what this is, contains the first explicit description of an informal exorcism. Josephus recounts incidents of possession and exorcism in his Antiquities of the Jews, 258 and 48, 48, 45 through 48. In his description, exorcism involved burning herbs and immersing the possessed person in water. And then it says, the New Testament also reports Yoshka to have performed numerous exorcism demonic spirits in first century okay so that's new testament so we don't really whatever but i was hoping to find something about um by the way whether or not the information uh, you're, you're you're reading is is accurate which it may very well be uh, i don't think my jewish learning is a website 
which you can go to for a guaranteed no, it's not guaranteed. Orth- Orthodox Jewish view of you understand what I'm saying? Like I think they incorporate others too. Of course. Um, I don't know. In the book, if you actually read the, read the, read the in the book, he, that's just that's the claim, at least. Obviously in English, but that's that's the claim that he got him out of this, you know, floating and whatever. Okay, so there's two more like uh, circumstances that people tr- that are in the Talmud that people really try to connect uh, to Jesus, right? So uh, actually, there's one more that's mentioned here. Uh, let's see the Talmud. Where's the, oh, I think it's in Sanhedrin, Sanhedrin 67a, or possibly Sanhedrin 106a, and the volume is called Shabbat on mm-hmm. 104b, where apparently there are references to some lady named Miriam, mm-hmm. okay, who is who is a mother of somebody that they call Yeshu. Mm-hmm. By the way, folks, Miriam, not a very uncommon name. No, 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 of course. Right? Back then and, and now, okay, pretty common for a lady. Yep. Okay. So if uh, if a na- if you know if a lady named uh, whatever, okay. So um, and there's other names in the Torah that, that were used in ancient Israel in the Torah, which are sim- more similar to Mary than Miriam. Yeah. Okay, like Maria, more like Mount Moria, Mount Moria. What's the pronunciation? Moria. Moria. That's much closer to Mary than you know to my ears than Miriam. Yeah. But whatever, that's just me. Okay. So, um, so where they're talking about her, that perhaps uh, there was an accusation. Oh, this was in the this was used in the disputation of Paris yeah. in 1240, mm-hmm. saying that the Talmud was saying really mean things about about uh, Jesus' mother Mary. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so they're trying to use that to expel the Jews or to force conversion or whatever, that kind of thing. Okay. So um, oh, man, I thought I had more. Whatever I could, I I think I'm gonna find a source, okay, where um, that has all of the references. All of them are spread out over the entire timeline with hundreds of years, a spectrum of hundreds of years, mm-hmm. okay. Um, and everybody is named Yeshu, okay. It's talking about a ton of different individuals, okay, who cause a lot of problems. Usually, which included having you know, causing problems with the regional government, the, the Roman the Roman government, okay? Which led to negative things, which led to many Jews dying on account of that. Mm-hmm. So those guys are called Yeshu, okay? Yeah. So, um, yeah, folks. So my point is this, just to kind of like boil it all down, okay? Um, the, the, the Jesus that is being described by Christians is not to be found in the Talmud yeah. at all. Okay, people have to really do all sorts of jujitsu and acrobatics to kind of try to make that happen. They try to connect them and try to say this guy was Jesus and that guy was Jesus. None of it makes sense. It all each one of them falls apart. Okay, now so so what are we left with? Okay, so the earliest actual um, historical anything that could be considered historical material about Jesus is from Tacitus and Pliny the Younger. Those are the first two essentially mentions. Not even of Jesus, but of, of of a group of some kind of religious sect, which which is probably Christians, but it could also, I think, in some cases, not even be 
you know, there's also other possibilities. Okay. So let's just say, let's just say 104 years or 117 years after Jesus was described to have been living, yeah. right? When he, you know, as, as they tell the story that he flipped over the, the money changers table, right? That was during the temple. Yeah. Okay. So these people lived over a hundred years after that. Yeah. Okay. I think actually, when did Tacitus live again? What was it? Tacitus. Uh, I think you mentioned, was it Tacitus or are you talking about Pliny the Younger? I just want to get this straight. Pliny the Younger, he lived after the temple. So Tacitus lived also 56 AD. Same same story. I mean, like uh, after he, 120. Sorry. Okay, so he probably wrote his uh, his writings after the temple was was uh, hmm. was destroyed. One second, one second. Yeah. No, I got to get this right. Hold it was from seventy, I think. Right? Hold on, Ta I'm gonna I'm gonna Google this. Tacitus. Pliny was like a little mention. Tacitus, Jesus. Let's see. Let's Pliny see what was a little kid. Oh, uh... What is what is Tacitus? Tacitus on Jesus. Let's see. The uh, the Roman historian and senator Tacitus referred to Jesus, his execution by Pontius Pilate, and the existence of early Christians. Okay, that is. I'm reading right now the Wikipedia. So whoever wrote this created that statement. Let's see what Tacitus actually said when we get to his reference. I'm looking for a quote here. Yeah. Okay, the passage and, and its context. Again, this is a translation from Latin. Okay, so here it goes. Um, this is from the Annals passage, uh, which has been subjected to much scholarly analysis, and I'm sure a lot of debate. Okay, follows a description of the six-day great fire of rome that burned much of rome in july 60 on the year 64 uh ce okay the the key part of the passage reads as follows uh this is i, I have no idea folks if this is an accurate translation mm -hmm. here it is but all human efforts all the lavish gifts of the emperor and the uh propit propiti Propitiations, propitiations. Never heard that word before. And the and the propitiations of the gods, lowercase g, did not banish the sinister belief that the conflagration was the result of an order. Sorry, folks, conflagration. Okay. Consequently, to get rid of the report, Nero uh, fastened the guilt and inflicted the most exquisite tortures. On a class of hate, on a class hated for their abominations, uh -huh. called Christians. Okay, so that's that's the English translation. Okay, so uh, I think here, let me see anything that looks like Christian in the actual text. Okay, Nero, Rios et quasitimus ponus adficit blah 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 blah. blah. Christianos. Okay, that looks pretty close to, to Christians. Okay, I'll take it. All right. So anyway, so he, he imposed the most exquisite tortures on a class hated for their abominations called Christians by the populace. Mm -hmm. Christus, Christus, from whom the name had its origin, suffered the extreme penalty during the reign of Tiberius at the hands of one of our procurators, Pontius Pilate, and a most mischievous uh, superstition thus checked for the moment, again broke out, uh, not only in Judea. The first source of the evil, but even in Rome, were all things hideous and shameful from every part of the world that, fi that find their center and become popular. He's saying that every, everything that comes out of Judea is 
hideous and awful and evil. That's what that, that's essentially what he's trying to say yeah. in a very annoying, long-winded way. Mm-hmm. Accordingly, and obnoxious actually. Accordingly, an arrest was first made of all who pleaded guilty. Then, upon their information, an immense multitude was convicted. Not so much of the crime of firing the city, as of hatred against mankind. Mm-hmm. By the way, for the folks at home, uh, a lot of these historians that we rely on, freaking liars anyway. Yeah, their abominations called Christians by the populace. I hear, I hear my my voice, and it's and it's and it's, and it's tough for me to hear my voice. <laughs> I got to hear it the first time. We don't have to subject the folks at home for the second time. Okay. They don't need an echo of this voice. Okay. So basically... Echoes in eternity. Okay. All right. So basically he's talking about there was a uh, there was a group, apparently he calls them Christians, if this is correct. Okay. So so when did, when did he write this? That's what I'd really like to know. Um, when did he write this? So let's see. Uh, Tacitus. Let me just see Tacitus alone for a minute. Okay, so he lived, it says here, between 56 AD and 120 AD. That's, actually, that's when he was born, or that's that was his lifespan? Probably lifespan, no? Right. Probably lifespan. So by the, uh, for the folks at home, by the way, this word that the Romans used as Christus, right, is, yeah. is obviously, it's a borrowed term, a, Latin, a Latinized, a Latinized, 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 yeah. Latinized form of the Christus of Greek, which means savior. Yeah. Just a general term for savior. Okay, so what he could be describing here, folks, is that one of many Messiah type figures to come forward during that time to declare war against the Roman Empire and to fight them and to to bring the kingdom of heaven. That was common language used by these type of figures. Okay, to the point where they just they just, in my opinion, this is my opinion now, Mm -hmm. they just created this this general word. Oh, here's another Messiah translation in Greek or in Roman. Oh, here's another Christus coming along. Yeah. Right? So they just kind of gave it this like blanket term. Here's another one of these uh, Karens. Yeah. You know, here's an, oh, here's another Karen. Look at this Karen. Okay? People did this for a long time, folks. But, you know, it's not just our generation. Correct. You know, like my friends, like when I used to, I used to, for instance, if we were hanging out and I saw a pretty girl, this is in a previous incarnation, I'd be like, and I point and go, damn, like that, you know, really obnoxious, right? Yep. And then, you know, and then my friends will look at me and, and I'm like, her boyfriend's behind me, isn't he? They're like, yeah, you know, like that. Yes. It would always, always be something like that, you know? It didn't happen too often, but, but it happened often enough to where they said, oh, you just pulled a Frank. Oh, God. Okay. So, so that not, only, not only did they turn you into a mascot, they turned you into a. This, this was, this is actually a little bit before that. This is before the, the religious stuff. Uh-huh. Okay, so you know, so you know, people did this kind of stuff all the time. So again, mm-hmm. you know, the way we use language, we can't use language the way we do now yeah. and assume that they used the language and meant the same things that we mean today. Yeah, correct. Okay? Unless we have like, like progressive commentaries translating for us the meaning of words from previous generations, like Rashi. Yeah. 
Okay, Rashi took the text. He was the transmitter of the Torah tradition, and some of the words which had potential to be uh, uh, incorrectly defined or translated, mm-hmm. he translated them into his current language, which nowadays we call Old French, but he called it, you know, just French during his time. So, so you had from generation to generation, you had people who were translating terms so that the, the following generation could understand what the previous generation meant. But if you don't have a completely unbroken line of that, you can't assume that you know what the hell they're talking about. Okay? So they somebody, hear the- should, somebody should write a commentary entitled, this does not mean what you think it means. <laughs> it, it, because it doesn't. Okay? Yeah. So, so, so <laughs> if you hear the word Christus, oh, Christian, see, see, Jesus, you know? Ah, yeah. uh, no. <laughs> okay? Not necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, it just means a messianic uh, leader who came, yeah. who, who who rounded up a bunch of followers. That yeah. happened a lot, folks. Yeah. It's if anything, lot. if anything, Trump could be called. Well, it, he never declared. Era, well, huh? Actually, <laughs> right. Well, I'm saying if any, if somebody wanted to call him that by that name. Well, he never. Trump never declared the kingdom of heaven is coming, and that no. he's the he's the king of it. That he's no. rep, the the earthly representative of it. Okay. No, he didn't. And right. And by the way, folks, the whole thing about like. Let's say that they base Jesus off one of these guys, any one of them that could have existed, right? Yeah. Possibly, possibly, okay? Or yeah. it could have been like a, like, what did you say? A compilation? Like a, uh, like a com- these guys, composite. A composite, a composite. And they smushed them together and they yeah. formed something. But they also added a bunch of stuff that's not Jewish, yeah. okay? They added, like, the Roman religions that existed were essentially just translations of the earlier greek religions that they had in common okay just that you know like zeus is jupiter right you know and so on and so on and so forth okay some of these gods with the lowercase g that they are describing in these religions they had stories that are similar to what christians learn about jesus nowadays okay born of a virgin from a from one of you know from zeus or something like that okay from some, they, a woman had an encounter with a divine being. Then she became pregnant and gave birth to a Messiah character, yeah. who was who was a god himself, considered a god himself. That theme repeats itself over and over and over again throughout recorded history. Okay, going back to Egypt with Horus and Osiris and Isis and Seth and that whole that whole mishpucha, as yeah. they say. Okay, yeah. and again, this is all related. Where does this story come from? Why does it persist? Why does it keep changing forms and changing names, but the, the characters stay are essentially the same? Because it's talking about the archetypes that exist within all human beings. Yeah. Okay? And, and, and also, but the differences in the way we all describe the archetypes, meaning different cultures have different twists on it, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, that's where we don't get along. That's where we don't agree with each other, okay? So the Jews and the Torah perspective is the right one, Yeah. okay? And I'm saying that because I think it's right, and I think the other one is wrong, okay? So I'm not making declarations because I don't have, I'm, you know, I don't know anybody in the world, whether they're a president or I don't know who has the ability to make a declaration and, 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 and claim an absolute truth, and then everybody else has to go along with it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
So it shouldn't, you know, your reaction to hearing me say that shouldn't be, oh, that's what you think. Yeah, I know, I know, obviously. Everything I say is what I think. Yeah. Okay? And no one's forced to, to agree with me. But I think the Christians are wrong. And I think that the Jews, the Orthodox Jews and the, and the traditional Torah tradition about it is right. And I'm talking about how to interpret and understand the archetypes. Yeah. Okay. So, so they used the non-Jewish telling, the various tellings, uh, the way ancient cultures have been describing the behavior of the archetypes, which, by the way, mirror what's going on with the stars. Mm -hmm. The archetypes that we all have within our subconscious are expressed in the stars too. What a what a coincidence, huh? Yeah. Okay. So every so so basically they used the non-Jewish style of, of telling that story. Okay. And they they blended it together with a sim with this familiar familiar type of like a mold. There was a mold of a type of character that existed that gave the Romans a bunch of problems politically. Yeah. In, in Israel, okay, they had a new Messiah popping up every uh, who knows when. Okay, yeah. um, the, there was only one of them that was actually nearly successful, and we we know him as Bar Kokhba. Yeah. Okay, he was he actually was the only legit one of those who actually had a real following of the of of the traditional established uh, rabbinical transmitters. Okay, like Rabbi Akiva, namely, of course. Okay, but he wasn't successful. Okay, so that's that's essentially what I think is going on. Okay, but there's more. Yeah, this notion of how the non-Jewish world explained the archetypal characters of of the of the mother and the father and the son and all these archetypal uh you know the hero and the villain and the wizard and the wise man and the all this kind of stuff right um they look at it and they try to humanize the divine as much as possible yeah. that's why you got to make god into a man yeah. from from their from their you know this is again my opinion okay What Jews do, which is different, essentially different than literally everybody else, okay, what makes us stand out is that we, we disconnect, we, we try to come to the reality yeah. that God is always, always beyond man, can never be defined. We know that God cannot be defined, encapsulated. Um, there's no word or thought or image that can refer to God in any way whatsoever. Even the names in which we call him are essentially appellations. Yeah. And they're more for us, yeah. for, for our use, than, yeah. than to describe God as he is unto himself. Yeah. Okay. So that's the problem that we have, Christians. Okay. You're trying, you're saying that God came down. First of all, aside from the verses in, yeah. the, in the Tanakh, which you, which you guys claim to accept as the, as the word of God, yeah. that which say that God is not a man and won't be a man. Yeah. Okay. But, uh, you know, put, putting that aside. Okay. Um, that's the problem that we have. Okay. That these ideas, the reason why we never accepted Christianity is because 
is because primarily because of that. Yeah. Because okay. So even it's if, called and it's called anthropomorphism. Yes. So even if you if if Christians would have like done something like, look, we're you know, we're Jews just like you, we keep the uh we keep the commandments, right? And this Jesus guy, he's we think he's the Messiah. We're not saying he's God or anything. Yeah. But, you yeah. know, he's he, we think this guy's the Messiah. And yeah. I, and I would have been like, all right, you know, I guess that's that's fair. You're allowed to think somebody's the Messiah. And then, and then maybe people wouldn't compare Lubavitch to Christianity. <laughs> I don't really give a shit about that, you know. Yeah, but you know what I'm saying, like yeah, you know. It, see, wouldn't, like you see, it wouldn't be like this annoying thing of people like, oh, I'm not going to eat this hexure. I'm not going to dive in with a dude. What what a tennis ball this oh, this created on, synthesized idea of Christianity is, where they took this this principle this kind of composite principle of Jesus thrown in with some pagan understandings of the archetype. And they start, they start hitting it back and forth like a tennis game. Yeah. But even Jews started using that as a tennis thing, yep. with the, you know, to accuse with, each other within, within Orthodox Judaism. It's just, it's just like, it just wreaks havoc. Yep. Okay. So it became like one of those things, one of those balls in Harry Potter. Listen, like, I always tell people, you know how I know Chabad will never become, Shalom Christianity is because they don't proselytize to non-Jews. <laughs> if you want to go there, you know what I mean. I, I think there's a lot of other reasons that are more that are more yeah. cool because they keep the Torah and they understand whatever. Okay, let's just yeah. yeah. So <laughs> you know what I'm saying. So so basically, yeah. Oops. so so right so far we've discussed like why. I think it's wrong and why a lot of other people think it's wrong. Okay. And then also there are people who, who believe, I, I can't remember what they're called, the, the myth, the myth, there's like a, a group of people who have a certain view about Christianity, mm -hmm. about Jesus, that he never existed. It's the word mythology is somehow um, the myth, the mythologists, or I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know what they call them. Okay. But they, mm -hmm. they believe that Jesus never existed, that he's a complete fabrication uh, by this uh, by this Roman family called the Flavians, okay. That like you know Titus was one of them, and, and it's called it's called Jesus mythicism. The mythicists, the mythicists, okay. Christ right, the myth theory, yeah, okay. So so they're saying that someone like this never existed, mm -hmm. right? So and then what I'm saying is that somebody who started this idea or a group of people that started this idea existed which was used as a as part of a baseline to, to shaping a character which ended up being the one that people that that people see now as jesus okay so that's a little bit different than saying he never completely existed or anything yeah. of the sort but it's not that different by the way because essentially even what i'm saying and people who say what i'm saying they are saying that the jesus you're talking about never existed yeah they are saying that. Now, that being said, we did mention the archetypes, right? Yeah. So, 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 in that sense, Jesus is a is a view of an archetype yeah. that we believe is viewed through a broken lens. It's an image of an archetype, yeah. Okay. So, so the archetype. So we. So the Jews call. Here, here's what we call the archetypes. Yeah. Okay. So you have the, there, there's a, God arranged the spherot, right? Which are these 
emanations yeah. that he uses, tools, you could say, that he uses to interact and actually to even create the world continuously. He didn't just create it and leave it alone. He, he continuously uses these things to, to keep the world in creation. And, and the world is sustained by a flow. It's yeah. a fluid, constant thing that exists. And this is just a general term, divine energy. Yeah. God sent it away. And, for, and he uses these uh, as channels. Okay, but they're not literal channels, and you just have to kind of understand that these are tools that God uses. Okay, and we're not we're not saying that they're God at all. Okay, so, um, and they're grouped. There's ten of them, but these ten are actually grouped into four groupings. Okay, mm -hmm. so you have you have well, I mean, it depends how you how you look at it. The, could be like almost five groupings if you look at it from the very very top from keter okay mm -hmm. but essentially we're looking at the we're looking at abba ima zeranpin and nukva de zeranpin so mm -hmm. abba means father yeah. and that is and that is uh, that relates to the sphere of wisdom okay and bina is ima so Ima is mother and Bina means understanding. So as we know that wisdom and understanding, they are likened to, they are me metaphoricized. <laughs> is that a word? Yeah. Okay. They're used as an allegory. Okay. This, this mother and father idea. Okay. Uh, meta metaphorized. Yeah. Is that a, I, I thought I made that up. Okay. Metaphor, metaphor. Yeah. You could do it metaphorized. Yeah. Metaphorize. Express okay. something metaphorically. Metaphorize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. So, so basically, um, you have the father and the mother. Okay, and so these sphero, these tools are related that way because of their behavior, right? And by the way, we're supposed to observe this behavior. Yeah, we're supposed to like be able to have visions of the sphero, like like the prophets did, mm -hmm. folks. When you're reading the Bible and you and you're reading. The words of the prophets this is what they're looking at this mm -hmm. is what was communicating with them the mm -hmm. the information that we received and that we have uh documented yeah. and call, which we call the tanakh okay yes. so this is how they got it so so they would receive the visions th through this channel so essentially these you know another way of looking at it as a metaphor these spherot or these groupings of spirit are costumes that god puts on as he's demonstrating to us the instruction manual of our life and our society. Yeah. He's shown by, by observing the behavior of the spherot and how God makes them interact with each other. Okay. We're supposed to copy that as, and understand what our role is in relation to the spherot. Like you see, uh, again, uh, the, the sphere of wisdom and the sphere of understanding that's, father and mother and they're always they're they're always together in unity okay so that's the example of 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 parents right when you're when you're if you have to be parents if you're in a marriage and you have to be parents you look at spirit and how they behave and you're supposed to emulate that okay to follow god's instruction yeah. okay then there's the child sphere grouping okay it's actually made of six different spirit and it's called zair anpin which 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 is metaphoricized as 
the son of this parental unit. Okay, so if we observe how their onpin interacts with his quote unquote parents, right? Remember, this is just an instruction manual for us. Okay, mm -hmm. so then we that we're supposed to emulate that. Okay, and I think that that what Christians call Jesus and what earlier peoples called Dionysus and Mithra and Horus and Osiris and maybe I got maybe I did I get uh, was it Dionysus or Diogenes? I'm getting things mixed up. Diogenes was a he was a philosopher. Dionysus. I just want to make sure I got that right. Okay. Dionysus. Okay. So, and, and there's also different versions of it. Okay. So, what, what, what essentially what I'm arguing is that Christianity sees their onpin, this sun uh, archetype. Yeah. Okay. This this kind of like instruction manual uh, character, mm -hmm. you could say. Right, like when you open up an instruction manual, you see like you see people working with the with the parts that you're talking about. You you put it together like this. Sometimes it's a cartoon character. Sometimes it's like a photograph of a generic model, right? That's like showing you how to put something together. Whatever. Okay. So, Zeranpin, uh, I I think is they're looking at Zeranpin with through a cracked prism. Yeah. A cracked lens. Okay. Yeah. So. Again, my opinion. Okay, so and then the and then the sphere after that is Nukva, which is the daughter, and, but also the consort of Zeranpin. Yeah. Okay, S since we only have essentially four characters here, right? They're they have multi. They're multifaceted. Okay, yeah. but again, we have to understand that when God is showing us this, He's not show, He's not saying that that. In one context, you have the you have the the son, child of the parents, and and then Nukva is his marriage consort, right? His 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 wife. Yeah. In in another context, which is not related, she plays a different role. She plays his sister. Yeah. That doesn't mean it, they're telling the same that it's the same situation. You understand? Yeah. It's they're using these archetypes in different situations as a language to show you what you're supposed to be doing. And the Torah even tells us, don't get confused. Don't think that you can marry your sister because we have Leviticus and other places to tell us what God really feels about doing something like that. Okay. So there's really no way of confusing that if you, if you study the Torah, like, like you're supposed to, like everybody's supposed to, okay. Yeah. Jews and non-Jews. Okay. So um, now it goes even a little deeper. The, the Christian view on Zeranpin, okay, um, and the fact that it exists, okay, and the and 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 you have to consider who who are the Christians today, generally speaking, right? Where did it come from, and why do they hold the view that that they do? Why did this particular view? Of Zeranpin become attached to them, even though it was very similar to the ones that came before, but you know, slightly different. Yeah. Okay. It's kind of like it's 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 goyish, right? To you to, to borrow a vernacular, but it's also Jewish. Yeah. Because it's go, it's essentially a, the goyish view yeah. clothed in Jewish garments. Yeah. Right? With Jew, because you know, they they took on, they changed it from they made it 
they used Jewish words and Jewish yeah. terms from that time, right? right. To describe the, the ideas which were pagan, that came yep. from outside. Yep. Okay. So who does that remind us of? It reminds us of where of, of where most of the Christians or the, the 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 people who embrace Christianity, where they themselves came from, yeah. from Asaph. Yeah. This cracked view, distorted view of Zeranpin, which now they call Jesus, right, mm -hmm. is essentially how Asaph saw Zeranpin. Yeah. Asaph wasn't just you know this like you know you gotta if, for, for the folks at home if you want to understand the greatness and the power and the brilliance and who ace of really was yeah he, he, he could have been you, you got to listen to rabbi kesson yeah we could have been him and yaakov together that was supposed to, that's what it was supposed to be okay he screwed up ace of himself was the primary failed messiah yeah he was, he was, he was Gashmias and Ruchmias, you know. Okay. His job, by the way, we're not, we're not shitting on Asaph, by the way. Yeah. Because the more you learn about that situation, the more you realize, like, 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 God, man, why'd you, like. He like, got a role. He got a role. Like, 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 he, like, why, why? So, like, you know, so, 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 Chris, if you're listening, right. <laughs> I'm not going to say your last name, but. By the way, I hope you continue. I hope you continue to listen after this. All right, <laughs> and this is this comes from no malice at all. I promise you. Please feel. Please use your intuition to know that, and Hadas as well, or anybody else. Okay, um, unless you're Mel Gibson, then I want you to think that I mean malice because it causes you uh, <laughs> internal pain, and I'd like that. But for everybody else who I love, I'm not. You out. You realize I'm not. Do if you don't agree with this, fine. But you realize I'm not trying to hurt you. Yeah. Okay. All right. But but Mel Gibson, I'm I'm trying to hurt you. <laughs> okay, so so basically, no. So what I'm saying is that that for Ariel uh, Aloro Cohen, oh, Cohen Aloro, yeah, right. Who, who by the way, he's not. I don't know. Some people call him a rabbi, but he, he he's not an ordained rabbi. No, he's not. I'm not saying he's not extremely knowledgeable. I'm just saying that technic technically speaking, he never got that ordination, that certificate, which doesn't matter to me that much, really. Okay. But if we're going to go there, yeah. We're going to go there. I mean, you might as well, like, you know, yeah. we're trying to, we're trying to uh, minimize confusion as, to the best of our ability, okay? So he, he wants to focus on redeeming Jesus, right? And, and, and bringing him back into the fold. I, know, I was going to say, I don't know about redeeming him, but yeah, at least bringing him back into... Bringing him into the fold and, you know, saying that he was slandered and... And, and using was, that as a reconciliation tool between right, Christians. Right. So he's almost right. He should be trying to do that with Asaph. Yeah. That's his real, that should be his real target. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Chris, if you hear this, okay. Yeah. Everything that he the, everything that Aloro Cohen is saying about Jesus, he so close, so close. Yeah. If he just got a little bit more on the mark, everything that he's saying that needs to be done does need to be done. But it's to Asaph. Yeah. Or with Asaph directly, not using Yoshka as a tool to. Yeah, no, just understand who you mean. You don't yeah. mean, you mean... Who, it does not person, mean what you think it means. <laughs> yeah, the person that you're feeling, the person that you feel this connection to is Asaph. Now, I know, let me explain for people whose faces are boiling right now in anger. Mm -hmm. Can we talk a little bit about who Asaph was? Just so you understand. We could. Um, 
Asav was twice as great as Jacob. Mm-hmm. Was. So they are cur- these are current, currently existing entities, mm-hmm. Jacob and Asav. Mm-hmm. They're still with us. Yeah. Okay. Jacob is the Jews. Asav is uh, essentially Christian Europe. Mm-hmm. Okay. They're twin brothers. Okay. Um, Asav was supposed to be, he was technically the big brother because even though they were twins, he was born first. So he got technically the, the right of the firstborn. Okay. But he was also given twice the strength and power as Jacob was. Yeah. Okay. Uh, or spiritual potential. Okay. And he was given a lot of strength, but for a good reason. Because he had to defeat the Satan. Yeah. All of us in the Jewish tradition, we learn that all of us have an evil inclination, which we call the, the Yetzer Hara, which, is, which means evil inclination. And, and for most of us, for little guys like me and you know, a lot of other Jews, we have like a little, like a little shard of the Satan. You know, like it, we have like a little fractal like a little mini me yeah. <laughs> of him that's that's implanted in us that we have to fight and defeat. The, the non-Jewish world calls it the reptilian brain. Well, if you if you want to use cartoon language, you know, yeah. like you have the, the little devil on the shoulder yeah. and a little angel, like yeah. that kind of thing, right? Yeah. So all of us are given like a little tiny one, you know, that's really annoying and we have a hard enough time dealing with him. Like I, I know I do. Yes. Okay. Uh, porn. Okay. So... Mm-hmm. <laughs> And other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe yeah. I shouldn't keep uh, burying myself. But anyway, whatever. Truth fanatics, right? Fuck off. Yeah. So basically, <laughs> so you got, you know, don't judge me, you bastards. Actually, judge me. It's okay. I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. So basically, um, we all have a little, little like ace of in, a, in one of those like Halloween devil costumes, you know, with the, the kind yeah. of like weird material, you know, like, yeah. right? But Asav, the actual Asav, yeah. uh, he had the Satan as his evil inclination. Yeah. No one ever had that. That's crazy. Except for like Adam or something like that. Yeah. Okay. So he got a pretty raw deal. Yep. Messed like up. He, okay, so technically speaking, he had the strength to defeat him. Yeah. But listen, I don't understand fully the, the, the complexity of this. Uh, situation and i don't understand why it necessarily worked out the way that it was because when you get into the wiring of this of, of the torah and these stories and understanding them you'll see that it's you know you're going into like into like astronomical physics or something yeah. i don't know what else to compare it to like the the deepest possible calculus you can imagine yeah. okay yeah. but more complex yep. okay so seriously folks there's a lot of books you know Mm-hmm. Not a lot of people have opened them, you know, but so they exist. They exist. I saw them. I literally saw them. And I saw some of the people that actually opened them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so, so he got a raw deal. He was supposed to be, you know, how we, we keep talking on the show, or we, we did a, a while ago. We talked about that there's, there's Mashiach, and, but there's two jobs, there's two messianic jobs. That, yeah. the Jewish, that the Jewish tradition brings down, okay? You have a guy who's supposed to clean up the mess that Adam made, right? 
after he ate from the tree, and then the guy who's supposed to do the original job that Adam was brought to the world to do. So the guy who cleans up the mess has come, that position was later called Mashiach, the son of Yosef. Mm -hmm. Okay? It came to be called that. The reason why is because the biblical Joseph was the, the guy who came closest to actually completing that, that job. You know? Yeah. It's, it's sort of like, since Karen is the biggest, most annoying bitch yeah. that anybody's ever seen, now yeah. all people who fit that description are now called Karens because yeah. she was like the, the archetype that yeah. set, she set the mold, right? Mm -hmm. She set the, you know, the standard. Now, Joseph, he was the, the biblical Joseph, was the first one who really came close or came closest to actually doing the job of what the cleanup job that Adam was supposed to do after he messed up with, with the tree. So, it, so that job title came to be called Messiah, the son of Joseph. It was supposed to be called Messiah, the son of Asaph. Or actually, it should have been called Messiah, the son of Yitzhak, because Asaph was Yitzhak's son. Okay, it would have been it would have been named in reference to Asaph had he succeeded. Asaph was supposed to have six of the 12 tribes of Israel. He was supposed to marry Leah yeah. and have six of the 12 tribes. And Jacob was supposed to marry Rachel and have the other six. Yeah. Okay, but because Asaph, because it didn't work out for him. And again, this is not a judgment, okay? But it didn't work out for him for whatever reason that goes way beyond my understanding, okay? Um, so, so Jacob had to take upon himself that task that, that you know, for, for the time being, until Joseph came into the world. Yeah. For the folks at home who, who know the, the biblical story a little bit, it was only after Joseph was born that Jacob felt that it was even possible to now actually leave Laban's, they call him Laban, right? Levant? I think yeah. how, how do Christians call him Laban? Laban, yeah. So, so it was that, that was the first time when Joseph was born is when Jacob began to entertain the thought of leaving Laban yeah. and going back home mm -hmm. because now he had somebody who had the power and the spiritual blessing to counter the strength of Asaph. Remember, yeah. he was fleeing Asaph, right? One of the reasons he went to Laban was to get away from his brother Asaph. Yeah. Okay? But now that Joseph came, now Joseph is, had the same kind of energy and power. He had the power to, instead, to counter yeah. whatever Asaph's power was that he began to use incorrectly. And just to understand, or actually, I'm going to offer my opinion right now as to how to understand great spiritual power and why some sometimes people who have it essentially fall like Asim did. Yeah. Or so, or Tzvi. Possibly. I, I, don't, I don't know that much about Shabbat Tzvi. Um, but essentially, imagine, and again, this is my opinion. I didn't read this anyways. Take it with a grain of salt, okay? Mm -hmm. So imagine you have a fire hose, okay? And the stream that passes through the hose, mm -hmm. right, can be compared to the spiritual power that someone receives, okay? The pressure from that stream. So if the water is like at a medium pressure, that's, it's, it's manageable. You can handle it. But if 
But if the, 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 the speed and the power and the pressure for which the water passes through that hose, it can, it can get so powerful that the hose becomes impossible to control. Yeah. Like, like it takes on a, a life of itself. Like it, it's about to snap, like the hose itself is going to snap. So the guy who has to control that is in a bad situation. Yeah. Okay. Even though God gave Ace of the power technically to do that, it mm -hmm. somehow it didn't work out. And I don't understand why. Okay. Yeah. So that's so so Ace of, and again, the 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 people who became Christians in Europe yeah. are are his descendants. Okay. Yeah. And so something about what went wrong with Asaph? Yeah. Right? Is somehow connected to this view on Jesus, which is through a, through a broken prism. Yeah. Okay. That's about as these are my personal I mean, thoughts. I mean, I can tell you since I'm a kid, I, I never understood, you know, the just the very idea of why. Uh, first of all, yeah, why, why Hashem needs to be a physical man embodied in a physical man that that's number one uh, another thing i never understood was why does this person need to die for our averas you know this guy died for your sins all that kind of stuff that i could explain why that why i think actually okay I I mean, i'm saying let me, let me and, and then another thing i didn't really understand is um there's just like things i didn't i didn't, I didn't understand like why and and I yeah I, I thought I since I'm a kid I, I found it very ironic that these people are worshiping a Jewish guy yet they hate Jews for killing him yet he's a Jew so yeah and even and even then the the story obviously was misconstrued as having you know us having killed him versus the Romans having killed whoever it was let's just say before we got to this discussion of that he was a composite let's just say if he was like a man you know. It was just a lot of weird. I don't know. Like, since I'm a kid, I'm just like this. None of this. This is BS. This is really, really monumental BS. And I remember I had like rabbis tell me, "Well, that's because you, you know, you have a Jewish neshama, and you, obviously you, you know, when you think Jewishly about it, I'm like, doesn't it need to think Jewish?" Yeah, there goes the there goes the rhetoric. You know, like, dude. The, I've met. Listen to me. I met people in the club world, and and you know it's funny. Ruff Cook even wrote about this. He said, "The closer we get to the Mashiach, the more that." the 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 non-jewish world itself is going to see how this is a whole pile of bullshit the problem is that they take it to the extreme to where they say okay yoshka's bs new testament is bs but of course because new testament and the you know the torah the, the five books of moses were put in together into one thing called the bible the christian bible what do these schmucks do these these idiots that i knew you know these leftists that i knew in the club scene who grew up in the christian families they threw the whole thing out. The Torah, this, that, everything, including and also the very idea of Hashem. Right? That, that's, that's, that's kind of the, the pitfall of the whole thing. But Rav Cook wrote about, if you read his book, Orot, he said, yeah, like towards the end of, you know, closer you get to Mashiach, the more the non-Jewish world is going to see the, I don't, I'm just paraphrasing, they're going to see that this whole thing is kind of traif. You know that it's uh, that it's tuma and the uh, they're going to see that it's you know the impurity is going to fall off. How's it going to fall off? They're going to reject it. They're going to reject it wholesale. And and in its place is actually he writes about the whole thing of like in its place is going to be this kind of like 
mass atheism, but atheism, all atheism is, atheism is coming to do ultimately is to, uh, you know, kind of, I don't want to say Mikada Hashem, the idea of Hashem, but it's basically coming to bring Hashem back via a new conversation. Not to be confused with the New Testament, via, via a revitalization and via a clarification by, by the Jews. You know, at least the people who hold Torah, who, like real Torah. Um, and it's interesting. You see, dude, all these people are listening to our podcast, like non-Jews. That's what that is. That's essentially what that what I just described. That's exactly what that is. You know, if you take I, away, I, I I agree, and I ha- and I I think obsessively, or I did before, mm-hmm. as to how to exp- as to why this phenomenon is occurring. Like, how, what's the yeah. what's the pathway? Can I just read you before you get into it? I want to. I literally want to read to you quotes uh, that Rav Cook said why atheism. This is from whatever Yeshiva Haritzion in Gush Etzion. Uh, see, it says Rav Kook recognizes heresy as a tool which can help believers purify and refine their faith. The challenge of heresy shatters inaccurate or undesirable models of God, and this can enable the religious community to progress to a full and more truthful understanding. See, I wrote. There's another quote. Uh, give me a second. Uh, here, I wrote this. I think it was a couple of weeks ago. I I, I quoted. Ruff Cook, here, here we go. From Ruff Cook regarding atheism. Since the, th- quote, since the thoughts concerning God, this is from, I think, Orot, I think, in their basic elements are unclear, God being as conceived by the multitude and even by individuals who should be their leaders is that of a ruthless power from which there is no escape and to whom one must necessarily be subservient. No grandeur of God is then manifest in the soul, but only the loneliness, lowliness of wild imaginings that conjure up a form of some deceptive, vague, angry deity, deity that is disassociated from reality. It, conf- it confuses everyone who believes in it, depresses his spirit, blunts his feelings, inhibits the assertion of its sensibilities, and approves the divine with a capital D glory in his soul. Atheism arises as a pained outcry to liberate man from this narrow and alien pit to raise him from the darkness, to approve the dross that separates man from the truly divine light, and in the ruins wrought by atheism, will the higher knowledge. Yeah, but, God yeah, but not on purpose. But not on purpose. Yeah, yeah, I'm saying <laughs> that's important to understand. No, but that's that, he's saying it, it has a purpose, but it's not obviously not. Doing I just it. no. I wanted to make sure the folks at home don't think that Ruff Cook actually thinks that no that, that the leaders of no. atheism are no. like consciously trying to do that. No, they're not. But listen, no. he says it. This is the most important. I want to read you the last sentence. In the ruins wrought by atheism, this is actually the quote most quoted, will the higher knowledge of God erect her temple? Basically, the Beit HaMikdash is going to be built on the ruins of atheists, you know, sentiments. Ideas, right. We got to get into Sam Harris at some point, but not now, not now. Yeah. Okay. I'm just going to say something quick. We're not even going to get into Sam Harris during this conversation, maybe the next one, unless, unless Greg wants to. But Sam Harris, his main thing was, if you want to boil down what Sam Harris says, we don't need God to be moral people. You can be an atheist, you could be moral. Uh, Now, today or yesterday, Sam Harris said, um, it's a good thing that that they stole the election from Trump because uh, so basically lying is justified because he's a bad guy, he thinks. 
yeah. and, 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 and through lying and deceit and yeah. through uh, completely shitting on the will of the country of millions and millions of people, mm-hmm. then they did something that's good. So th- it's so- like it's like the killing Hitler as a baby thing. You know, um, if, if you had a chance to go back in time to kill Hitler as a baby, would you do it? That kind, that kind of stuff. In their perception. If, in this perception. I don't know if I wouldn't I wouldn't compare the two. I could see a distinction. No, between. you know what I mean? Like in his head, because Trump is to that level, then you can do whatever the hell you want. He's I, I mean, I don't know if he thinks that Trump is to that level. OK, but bad enough. Bad enough. But the, the, the point is that. Look, even if you go and you kill Hitler, right? Yeah. Um, when he's a baby. Another Hitler pops up. Right? That's one thing. Yeah. But you're not, uh, you're not essentially, what you, you know what you would have to do? You'd have to, if you wanted to match this situation with what they did with Trump, yeah. you'd have to go to Germany, yeah. right? Right about when Hitler is about to come into power, yeah. right? And you have to completely... Uh, crap on the will of the Jew, of the German people at that time, yeah. which what the Nazis did actually. Yeah, I mean they cheated yeah. their way into. Power. Well, the whole thing was the Reichstag fire was basically this is what January sixth was. It was it was a it was a they you know they they let something happen, you know half the thing was like people being let in people who were hired to be to go in there by the Democrats themselves. And all these kind of things, and you see the video. The guy comes up to the security. Why are you, you know, why aren't you stopping this? Why? And this was a Trump guy asking the security guy, "Why are you letting this happen? Why aren't you stopping people from going in?" And the, and the security guy just standing there, like literally, like a statue. Actually, there, the security guys were. I saw videos where they were letting them in. They were like, no, there, there. Some of them were letting them in, and then there's a, one of the videos, another a video of just as that's happening. There's another security guy just standing there like a statue, and one of the Trump guys who didn't want. You know, who wanted to stop this whole thing out of, out of the 99% of people who were there peacefully, was millions of people, hundreds of thousands of people, saying, hello, can you please stop these guys? They don't represent us. Yeah. And nothing's happening. And nobody cares about to see this video. Nobody cares to see it. Nobody, even if they saw it, they don't, there's no validation. There's just screw you and you guys are a bunch of insurrectionists. It's, it's a yeah. Reichstag, Reichstag fire, man. So, so that would be that would be more, I think, uh, like uh, a more closer comparison yeah. to what, you know. So, so, so essentially, um, Sam Harris with his atheistic morals, yeah. it always boils down to the same thing. Yeah. He's smarter than you, yeah. therefore, he decides what is moral and what's not, folks. Exactly. Doesn't matter how many of you voted for. Him. Yeah, that's atheist uh, morals right there. So, yeah. so Sam Harris, whatever. It's like Greece taken to the next level. You know, we de- we decide because we are the enlightened, you know, whatever, uh, p- patricians. And you are the plebeians and, and that's it. You know, you know nothing. We're the ones that have the libraries and the... And the... Rome, Rome, right? You meant Rome? Rome, Greece. I mean, it's a, you know. No, those those specific terms. I'm sure they have their... Yeah, yeah. No, the terms... They are... had their correspondence in Greek, but that was yeah, the yeah. terms of Roman, you think. To change these things, I mean, because listen, ultimately, you realize that uh, g- parts of Greece became like these people were related, yeah, yeah. absolutely, so, just different names and different nomenclature. So, Greek, Greek, by the way, as a language, was like as I think as commonly spoken even in the Roman Empire as yeah. as Latin. Of course, it's like it's like saying uh, you know, you're talking about English and Spanish. You know, like come to America, 
call a customer service half the thing. Para, para español. So, so if you had like phones and back there, be like, huh, para Grecio, you know, or like, uh, you know, for I Greek. Couldn't, I couldn't think of a single Greek word. I could only think of Malaka. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Malaka. Dude, man, I was reading something about recently somebody. I don't remember what in the context of what this was, but apparently there are. Are you trying to? Are you trying? You want to pull the the conversation in a different direction? We could do. We could no, go. There. No, no, there. We're, are, we're getting far. We're getting far. From no, there. I wanted to say real quick that there's apparently people today that still speak a dialect of ancient Greek. There's. Ah, I was reading in the in Airbnb magazine. There's like you know in Italy in a part of Calabria, one of the cities. Today, there's people who speak like a dialect of ancient Greek or something like that. It's interesting. It's di it's different than than what they speak today. Yeah. yeah. Was, I just find that I was like, wow. Anyway, if you see if you find that article, send it to me. I'm actually yeah. kind of curious. Yeah. Because uh, anyway, so so the, the the things that you said that Ralph Cook foresaw, like you know, he kind of prophesied, right? Huh. That certain things would be happening around the time of Mashiach, things that uh, phenomenon that are occurring in the non-Jewish world. Yeah. Okay. So I had a lot of thoughts as to why that might be happening. Yeah. Okay. So, and it's related to what we're talking about with Esau and Christianity. Okay. So when you have like traditionally, right, let's say for most of, for most of, uh, Christian history, let's call it Christian history. Most of the Christians existed were either in, in, in the Middle East, uh, Europe, and North Africa, maybe to some extent. Mm -hmm. okay? that was the, that's where Christians were to be found. Okay? Mostly Europe. Okay? Um, after, actually, I would say after medieval times, let's say after the year seven or 800, You'd probably find most Christians, if I'm not mistaken, probably in Europe. Okay, I know that there was, I know that the Middle East was the center of it yeah. for a long, long time. I know that. I know that. Well, the okay. Levant, the Levant, right? Like the, you know, so, but eventually, most of the Christians they they went to uh, the Mediterranean area of Europe and then ventured further and further north and west and east too. <clears throat> okay, so now the actual population of Europe, even going back before that, right, like at least uh, 2,000 or 2,500 years, okay, uh, Europe going back that time was not very densely populated because as I understood or I heard, uh, you know, it had to do with the climate, like the climate there was cold and it started to become more habitable around 2,700, uh, you know, around that time, between 3,000 and 2,500 years ago, yeah. started becoming comfortable for life. And, you know, you'd be able to grow something there and not freeze to death, basically. It became temperate, okay? Before that, it was kind of like Siberia, okay? This is the way it was explained to me. If anybody knows different, please provide some information. Yeah. Greg, you with me? Yes, of course. Okay, so... Right around the time when, uh, you know, we, when we read in Tanakh that the tribes of Israel were evicted by uh, Sanherov, mm -hmm. right, the Assyrian emperor. Right around that time, um, we start seeing these migrations of populations from 
the Middle Eastern area from, from, and from the, from, from the further Northeast, okay? To moving towards Western Europe, okay? There's all sorts of names. There's the, the um, Galatians and the Scythians and so many names, it's very difficult. You know, they, some people call them the Germanic tribes, the Celtic tribes, all this kind of stuff. Okay? Gaunts, Visigoths, Visigoths. Yeah, those are, well, those are the Germanic tribes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Vandals and the... And all Not to be confused with a 14-year-old girl. Well, in high school. well, well actually, the Germanic tribes... Black... Uh, that, that, that was more, that was much more recent. That was like closer to a thousand years ago, maybe 1200, like that. Yeah. Okay. What I'm talking about is the people from the, from the time of the Bible when... The, the, the 10 northern tribes of Israel were supposed to have been uh, evicted from Israel. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so they essentially they traveled, and I know it's not popular to say this, but, but they traveled north and west. Okay. Mostly. Yeah. Some of them went east and some of them went south to, to some of them to places like Africa or maybe Southeast Asia. But the, but the majority, and this is according to the, our traditional sources, like Rashi, yeah. you know, for Christians or for people who don't know Rashi, just type in Rashi uh, Torah, and then, you know, there's a Wikipedia on it, yeah. read away, you'll see he's, you know, just, uh, okay, so, so basically, remember we talked about that in the context, like I found this, um, this thing about the, about, about Canaan, Canaan? Yes. I remember we had a whole episode of like yeah. the curse of Ham, right? Yeah, Did yeah, it really yeah. have anything to do with black people? Black or, people yeah. and, and so we found out that it doesn't look like there's yeah. much to uh, yeah. uh, to rep, you know to support that idea. It's probably more just yeah. racist stuff that occurred like probably, you know, th these ideas probably came from somewhere from the 1600s or something like that. Yeah. Okay? Mostly from Christian from Christians who yeah. not Christians but people from the Christian world who wanted to justify abducting Africans, yeah. kidnapping them, and then using them as slaves, you know, until they died and then bred them and stuff like that. Okay. So that was, but, but from the actual Jewish tradition and, you know, the text, do we have anything to support that? Not that I saw, I couldn't find anything. Yeah. Okay. Um, but later I saw that it seems that Canaan, right. From, from some of the stuff that, uh, the commentary on uh, Ovadia, right, mm -hmm. which is one of the prophets in Tanakh, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, Rashi commentary and Ibn Ezra, right, two of the classic commentaries that we have, they, they actually said that um, Canaan, like the people of Canaan, right, and his descendants, they traveled to Europe. Yeah. They didn't even go to Africa. Okay. That's just, but that's a side thing that we'll talk about some other time. And it also says that the tribes of Israel, they also went to the same places that Canaan went. So they, it, it mentions that Canaan settled between the land of Israel going west up to Sarafat. Yeah. That's, the, that's the language. Sarafat yeah. is France. Yeah. Okay. So um, France is like the central geographic location of Western, you know, it's a coastal piece of land. To the one of to one of the most western points of Europe. Okay, so that area is where people from the Middle East in general settled. Okay, so we see that there are mass migrations. Yeah. Okay, 
from the Middle East to that area of not just Hebrew tribes, but also even Canaanite tribes who were apparently white. Yeah. Okay. And, and the descendants of Asaph. Okay. So you have this. So that's what Europe is. Even before Jews showed up there. Okay. In, in mass as, as they had, you know, in more recent history, like yeah. between a 1500 and a thousand years. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, there, there, there were very old Jewish communities in, in Spain going back way further than that. And we know and that kind of stuff, but generally, okay. So, so when you look at Europe, you see essentially, um, I don't know to what ratio, I don't know who represents the majority. Let's just, for the sake of argument, let's just say it's evenly split up. Like a third of them are the Canaanites, a third of them are Asaph, and a third are the tribes of, the, you know, uh, descendants of the tribes of Israel. Okay, it's and my intuition tells me that the majority that there's probably not that many Canaanite, you know, maybe kind of like Central Europe, a couple of like small places, maybe Germany, something like that, you know. Yeah. But overall, it's probably majority Asaph and the Lost Tribes. Okay, so here's here's why. And by the way, it's I don't think it's an accident that the Jews ended up settling primarily the main population centers for most of the last two thousand years. We're also in these areas, right? Yeah. Like they, they migrated there later and set up shop around these, these relatives of theirs. Okay. So now Christianity, as we said earlier, has the vessels, the garments, and has Jewish language. It's it's the old pagan story, yeah. but told in with Jewish language. Yeah. Okay. So it seemed from when it came to when it got to Western Europe, right? Um, the people there were still practicing pagan idolatry, right? And it would seem that they that the religions that they had were the ones that were carried from the Middle East, yeah, all the way as far west as possible that you can imagine in Europe, folks. In in England and in Wales and in uh, Ireland, Scotland too. They, the Celts worshipped Bel. Yeah. The tribes of Israel were thrown out of Israel for worshipping Baal. Yeah. Huge difference, right? Yep. Okay. When you study the religions, you'll also see that there's a lot of overlap. Yep. The concepts. And you'll also see there's also a lot of overlap with Christianity too. So, so the tribes of Israel who were kicked out of Israel and Asav and also the Canaanites, right? They all were familiar with these Baal-like cults. And Baal mm. is the Middle Eastern like version of Egyptian, of the Egyptian religion. Yeah. Which they had different names. Like I, I'm not sure who Baal corresponds to, but I think it corresponds to Horus. Um okay. There's similarity, there's overlap. These are overlapping concepts. Remember, archetypes. Um, these are archetypes that people are describing in different yeah, ways. Yeah. Uh, I mean. Owner Lord Baal. Uh, let's see. I mean, there's like Beelzebub, but that's more like. Um, no, that's a. Uh, no, no, I'm just looking at the at the Wikipedia thing about Baal. Uh, here. Baal's the Vuv means the Lord of the Flies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hadad. That's in. Uh, let's see. There's a bunch of different Baal cults. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But there was something that was 
there was like overlapping themes among them all. Set, middle king of Seth, middle okay. kingdom of Egypt, due to being a foreign god in Egypt, Set, since Set was the god of the it, foreigners. In some, in some cases, it, it, it was it was Seth, and some no, that was Baltzafon. There's meaning, different Baals, meaning, meaning the, the there, guy. there's yeah. there's Baal Peor, Baal Tzafon, yeah. a bunch of other ones, but then there's also a, the general. Baal. So it says Egyptian equivalent is is Set. There, see, the Greek equivalent was Zeus. The Mesopotamian was Hadad. The Hurrian was Teshuv. Teshub. I saw. I, I've read other papers, academic papers, okay. which compare uh, compare more to Horus in that respect. Okay. Um. Here, but, but I could be referring to maybe only one of the cults. Well, yeah, I'm look. I'm looking. It says. It says Seth. Seth. Yeah, it says is Baal an Egyptian god. Baal, the principal Canaanite and fierce war god associated with the Egyptian god Set. That's what that's what this says. I don't know. Oh, I, hang on, hang on. I want to see if I can find that paper. Ball and this is like from Cambridge or something. Uh, what's I, that? I mean, there's like yeah, listen. Ah, uh, it could be Horace's. Uh, there's Horace's wife, but that's. So hold on, the ancient religions, the ancient religion of Baal. And uh, God's so the eye of Horus relates to Baal. Okay, <laughs> so huh. uh, let's put it this way: it's a fluid. Uh, this the term Baal generally. By the way, folks. Yeah. The term Baal, Baal just means Hebrew, master. A Hebrew word for master. Yeah, or, or overlord, or lord of something. But no, but the, the most basic definition is just like the master. Yeah. Okay. So very, very vague. Term. Like Baal Shuva or Baal. Okay, right. So if you were to go to a person's home <coughs> in the in the ancient Middle East, mm -hmm. and even currently today in Israel, mm -hmm. you the, the, the guy who, the homeowner, right? Baal the guy Baal. who owns the house. He's called the Baal Habayat, meaning the master of the house. Yeah. Right? So. Or know, this the term, term Yiddish, Yiddish fight, Balabusta, like the. Right, that's the Yiddish, the right? Balabusta, sounds like ball buster. Exactly, well, yeah. I was just thinking that today. <laughs> so, so, so basically, uh, yeah, so, so basically, hold on a second, hold on, hold on, I just saw something, one second, one second, one second. Uh, those speaking Semitic languages knew him as, as El, but the Sumerians of lower Mesopotamia had revered him as An, the sky god of heaven. Akkadians and Assyrians also lived in Mesopotamia, referred to him as Anu. Early Egyptians called him Horus. Mm -hmm. But later dynasties uh, named him Patach Atom or Ra. Atom, very interesting. Mm -hmm. Sounds like Adam, which mm -hmm. Adam, as from, from the Torah's perspective, is essentially synonymous mm -hmm. with the partsuf of Zer Anpin, mm -hmm. this, this arrangement of spheros. Okay? Yeah. So, um, you know, folks, it, you, it's really worth the study. Just learn about the Learn about the parts of him. Learn about the the archetypes from Jung, from Carl Jung, and then through that lens, start learning about the details and the practices and the beliefs of the religions from the Middle East and Egypt. Mm -hmm. Okay, and then once you have a familiarity with these themes, you'll see these themes, these patterns repeating over and over again. Okay, even in the religions, the later religions that traveled from the Middle East to to Europe northwest and even east to some extent okay mm -hmm. like rush like in the russias and stuff like mm -hmm. that okay so um so what am i getting at okay what i'm trying to say is that 
the <laughs> Europeans. What's the point? <laughs> here's my point. The Europeans, they, they essentially practiced a religion that was related to or developed from the religion that they had in the Middle East, which, sure. which is why God kicked them out of there. Well, listen, man, look at, look at, look at, uh, you know, Easter, the eggs and the bunny and all that crap. Look, look at, look at X-Mouse. They had to paganize everything uh, the, with the tree. These are all pagan symbols. Yeah. Even when they're celebrating supposedly a Jewish guy or the resurrection thereof, either his birthday or his resurrection, they got to bring in their trees and their eggs it's very deep, man. And they're bunnies and all this kind of crap. There's, there's yeah. all of this is layers and layers of meaning. And then when you, and then when you call it out, they're like, but it's fun for the kids or same, or like Halloween. Come on. Why you got to crap on Halloween? It's fun for the kids. It, it really is though. It is fun for the kids. I, 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 dark I, and, I, and I literally, death. I literally just like, you know, like <laughs> I, that's why I, I understand Christians. Yeah. You know, I'm not even shitting on them. Like, yeah. like, first of all, they're good people. <laughs> That most truly them, feel all, goodness all, in their heart and love, and they want to do good. Most of them. The, um, the ones I'm talking about, the ones yeah. I know. Yeah. Okay. And they are enamored with the story of Jesus. They so, it's really a beautiful character that, that people, is so charming and yeah. so heartwarming that you just want to connect. And like I was telling you before, like there, there were, um, certain religions in the Middle East, like the, the religion of Tammuz, yeah. like we have this, we have a month in the Jewish calendar, which we, which we call Tammuz. It's in the room. It's it reminds us yeah. of something that we have to shield ourselves against. Yeah. Okay. Tammuz was a pagan deity. Okay, that became an issue. It became popular during one of the times in the Tanakh, right, in Hebrew scripture, where foreign uh, influence came and, and the, the Hebrew tribes began to worship foreign gods, okay? We, we've, it's not a secret. Anybody who read the Hebrew scripture knows that there were periods like this. One of them was Tammuz. And one of the ways in which, and this, this religion was almost exclusively, like it was a, almost like a female cult, except that the the it wasn't a it wasn't worshiping a female deity, it was just very popular with the ladies, because because the uh, the rites and the rituals in relation to Tamos, some of them were like theater productions. Mm -hmm. Okay, they were like things that were acted out, like a play, yeah. right? And some of them inv involved some kind of like. The Rambam talks about this, Maimonides. There's some kind of uh, idol, right? Which its eyes, like they, like they would heat up the, they would heat up the idol. It was mainly some kind of metal or stone, but the eyes or some part of the eyes are inside. They're, they, they somehow inserted lead. Mm -hmm. So when they would heat up the statue at a certain point, while they were acting out some kind of dramatic thing, some kind of romantic love thing, right? Yeah. Um, between him and some woman or him and some female deity, whatever, yeah. he would start, the, 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 the idol would start crying. It would appear to start crying. Yeah. The lead would melt and then it would become, it would look like tears coming out. Some of the, they did it somehow. Crazy. Okay. This is very popular because it touched upon these emotional tropes, yeah. which a lot of ladies 
uh, felt a connection to. Mm-hmm. Right? So it just, it, it, you, you, you get attached to a story, yep. right? I got attached to Halloween. Yeah. Not the story or the history or anything, but just like having an awesome time dressing up, you well, know, you know when like I got, throwing eggs at each other, I, uh, getting candy, getting drunk. You know, you know when I got detached from Halloween? I'll tell you something. When You know when Halloween was fun and, it, and when it wasn't fun? It was fun in the late 80s, early 90s when, actually, ironically, when I used to walk around like Avenue H and Coney Island Avenue and Pakistani kids used to throw like hard yeah, frozen eggs. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. not frozen eggs. They, you know what they threw at us once? They threw giant potatoes, giant carrots, celery at us. Uh, uh, like uh, or any Adama you can think. Any get, it to, uh, get it together, Packies. It's yes, eggs. Yes. So they threw that at us. That was actually, I mean, whatever. That was like, you know, we threw stuff at them. They threw stuff at us. You know when it became whack? Basically in the early 2000s, mid to the, you know, early 2000s, when, when girls started dressing up like... Yeah, like dress like a whore day. Yeah, dude, dude. To me, like you know, you know, you know, we're obsessed with the '80s, right? '80s Americana. Yeah. Like Halloween, just by itself, like the 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 holiday, that mindset and things associated with it, including the movies, the music, and whatever. Science fiction. Half of that is like Halloween. Not half, like a third. Yeah. It's a huge yeah, chunk of the movies, I mean, all those pirates and dead skeletons, all that stuff. ET, yeah. there's a huge Halloween theme there. Yeah. Okay. Halloween was like so it's so much fun, man. And as far as I'm concerned, Halloween disappeared like yeah. after the 80s. Like yeah. I, I didn't, you know what I mean? Like I don't even like I didn't recognize it anymore. Well, it was a fun thing, and then it just and then it really became a thing where you actually, I mean, I don't know about you, dude. I feel wow. the Tuma walking past somebody's house where they have like Somebody puts like a mock grave and like a, and like all kinds of death. Yeah, they got really grim. That didn't really start. Yeah, like people didn't really do that kind of crap until yeah. like the late nineties, early two thousands. Dude, it's crazy. No, but when you come to come to like, dude, come to come to like suburbia, like, dude, it's crazy, man. Elaborate. And I'm like, these these people are getting this from somewhere. I don't know where. The, it's like a it's it's turned into like a mamish, like a real. Yeah, they're getting nuts. I mean, said, said there, it's like a ritual that they're having. Right, right. Halloween crazy. used to like used to be. I mean, in the eighties, you know, they, they still had a dark edge to it, yeah. but it was kind of like it was more like it was a little more innocent. Some it was more innocent. There was more. There was, there was more shtick. There was a lot of shtick. The whole thing was about shtick. The whole thing was about like throwing eggs yeah, at somebody. Trick or treat, little, yeah. you know, kind of like Halloween, yeah. like tricks and you know, little pranks. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. but mur, you know. The whole thing with whatever man yeah. but it was fun all right pumpkins you know you put yeah. it's kind of charming you know there's like a pumpkin you carve it out yeah. man i can it's tell you something. one of the things i don't know if you can relate to this but do you remember those genovese commercials like it was yes. a pharmacy genovese yes yes they they, they advertise something called the pumpkin cutter oh my god <laughs> it's a uh, not used by the genovese crime family <laughs> okay no, no, no. There's just no, not the Genevieve's crime family. I'm kidding. The pharmacy. I'm guy. kidding. I know, but like you know, I thought I was, I was when I, when they did those commercials when when I knew about the pharmacy, I, I was like, is this owned by John Gotti? I don't <laughs> think so. It's, just, it's probably. Oh, here we go. Cutting a pumpkin. There you go. They have this on YouTube. So, so they have no, but the thing was called the pumpkin cutter. It was kind yeah, of like yeah, a, yeah. it was a dull serrated, uh knife like a little knife right which wasn't sharp at all mm-hmm. and it had like all the edges were kind of rounded mm-hmm. right so you couldn't really hurt yourself i mean of course you could but 
I mean, you, in the eighties, basically, you know, the attitude was like, look, if you're going to hurt yourself with this, you're basically a retard anyway. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. How much, how much do we got to help you? Yeah. There's uh, <laughs> no like safeguards, whatever. Right. You know, like I don't really seatbelts, seatbelts. Anyway. So we, we're sounding like George Carlin now, but anyway, so um take a chance take a freaking chance will you so the handle to this thing was 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 like orange plastic right like almost like neon yeah. but it had that pumpkin color yeah. and it was shaped like i cannot tell you how badly i wanted that <laughs> that that pumpkin cutter you know why because you saw the person in the commercial they were carving all these elaborate like things and making them like making the pumpkin look awesome and like scary and like epic and stuff like that yeah. i was like if i get the pumpkin cutter I'm going to be able to do that. Yeah. I never ended up getting it, <laughs> but I wanted it. I cannot tell you. Can I play a commercial? They have like a quick, you know, on YouTube, they have them. Genevieve's drug stores from the back in the 80s. Here. Sure. This is, this is a uh, Valentine's Day, 80s ad for Genevieve's. Genevieve's are Genevieve's mom, but that's not all. This circular offers over a hundred Valentine gifts and other products you use every day. Oh, Genevieve's Bell, electric razors, watches, clothes. That's so weird. Cosmetics, vitamins, health and beauty aids, all of them at spectacular savings. So come to Genevieve's. Save big dollars. Genevieve's, a real drugstore. No, it's now this is the Christmas. Holiday greetings to you and yours from Genevieve's Drugstore. Oh, okay. Merry Christmas and a new year. Oh, that's it. Here. Oh, this is the Christmas commercial. Working so hard. I'm changing your Genevieve's Drugstore into your Genevieve's Christmas store with your choice of holiday specials all at the low, low Genevieve's prices you love. Like these clear all chlorine products, shampoo 6.8 ounce, 3.99, conditioner 4.2 ounce, 2.79, and check this Genovese Christmas circular for other great gift ideas, all at super savings. So Genovese. By the way, this guy in the commercial, his name was William B. Williams. Uh, he was a radio DJ. Nothing to do with. He wasn't like the owner or anything like that. They just got this like radio guy to do to do this. Hello? Yeah, man. You know, the the only other time I ever felt like that, you know, you, when you're a little kid, like there's this like Kellogg's commercial, mm -hmm. like Kellogg's, some kind of cereal, Kellogg's, yeah. some kind of you know, there was being marketed bunches of oats or something like that. It was no, it was it was just regular Kellogg's. It, it was being marketed as something healthy. Mm -hmm. So you see this like lady, this beautiful lady in a one piece mm -hmm. like suit, and she eats some kind of Kellogg's, and then she eats like a little, like a little baby tomato. Or like a cherry or something like that and then she does a perfect swan dive into the pool and i'm like damn that was a good dive i'm like if i eat kellogg's and eat that tomato i'm also gonna be able to do that right yes i made my parents laugh i think i was like five when i said that or something like that but, and, and then you learn that you should not swim after eating yeah you know there's all these things you learn you know? it didn't go exactly how they're telling me it's gonna go <laughs> yes all right i have a friend dude who learned that exact idea mm -hmm. uh really really hard oh no okay and it was much less innocent okay mm -hmm. there is a uh you know and the idea being that things don't always go the way they seem to on television mm -hmm. uh i have a friend okay and this is actually somebody that we've never actually spoken about not it's not anybody in brooklyn or this is like from a whole different like crew okay mm -hmm. um so if you recall in the early 90s, there was a, a channel in cable, which they had called the Spice Channel. Yes. 
So he was 10 or mm-hmm. 9 or 10 or something like that, or 11, okay? Oh. And he took an interest in the ladies around mm-hmm. that time, okay? Mm-hmm. As many of us did, you know, like, a, a little, you know, around that time, you would take yeah. a year. Yeah. Okay. And um, he was, he happened to be watching, you know, when he tuned in for the first time. Yeah. So there was a scene where there was a, a naked lady, obviously, right? And she was showering in some kind of locker room setting. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't remember, you know, it I never saw probably, it. It was probably Shannon Tweed. No, no, no. This is porn. Oh, okay. Fine. Oh, Shannon Tweed was on, was on a, a, a showtime. But anyway, go on. Shannon Tweed, I, I think she, I don't know. I know that she was married to. She was on uh, Cinemax. She was, on, like, she was on, married to Kiss. Yeah. The guy. But, who, uh, still is. She's, uh, yeah, okay. So, but I don't remember what, like, what she's famous for. I think she was in movies, right? Oh, she was like a Cinemax. That was Cinemax. That was beautiful more. lady. I just, I remember her from movies. Yeah. This was, this was Spice, which is porn, essentially. I mean, I don't think they, I don't remember to what extent, but it was essentially porn. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so there's a young naked lady. She's taking a shower and some locker room setting. And I'm being told about this. I, I never actually saw this particular one. I saw many others, not this particular one. Yeah. So he's telling, so he sees this, this movie and then some guy who knows that she's in there, right? He, he, he essentially just kind of like goes in there, right? And then she's, she looks at him because the script says that she looks at him and then she's filled with lust and they embrace and then, you know, the fantasies run wild, okay? So my friend. <laughs> oh no. What? <laughs> oh my dude this is just i mean okay anyway so so he so so he sees that and he's like oh okay that's the way it works oh no yeah so there was i think it was camp or oh, something no. like that it was a either oh, no. day camp or or something like that and and so i don't remember the context but it was something it was some kind of public shower oh. Area where there's like a pool, or I don't know what I can't remember school, maybe some kind of school thing. Oh, Jesus. Okay, so there's a girl. Actually, no, he didn't. There wasn't even a particular girl that he liked. He just thought that he'd go in there, find a beautiful girl, and that the moment she sees him, she would want to have you know what. Oh, no. Okay, so so he he just went in there, right? And there was like a whole group of he was expecting one girl, (laughs) and there was an entire you know, and they all literally, and by the way, remember, this is a little kid we're talking about. And they all ran away. He may have been almost 11 or uh-huh. 11 or something like that, okay? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And and these were like maybe teenage girls or something like or that. Or this is like camp? Either camp or some kind of school they, thing. I don't, I don't, like, you know, I'll, I'll give a possibility. Like, I remember I used to play soccer, uh-huh. right? Do you remember Victor Kanievsky? Whatever. I used to play soccer. Uh-huh. And, uh, and sometimes they rented out like uh, different high schools in Brooklyn. So after practice, you know, there would be shower areas. Yeah. But there would also sometimes the actual school people, you know, the, the high school kids would also be in the high school grounds yeah. in a different area practicing their own sport. Like yeah. we would be in the, let's say in the basketball area that was free. So we use that for soccer. Yeah. And then the girls from the softball team, you know, were also there that day. Yeah. Okay, and then they, you know, they have obviously they have their own uh, locker room and shower, so something like that. Okay, I, it had to be something of that nature. I can't, I don't recall the exact context, but th- it was definitely something like that. Yeah. So he goes into the locker room, and and they 
freak out on him. You understand? Oh, Remember, like when you when you're talking about like girls who are 15 or 16 or something yeah. like that, right? High school girls. These are like, you're supposed to be somewhat some level of an adult already. You know, like your consciousness needs to change. When you see a 10-year-old kid, 11-year-old yeah, kid, not, they didn't. They sh- you should be able to recognize the kid as a kid. Not yeah. these group of girls. No. They shriek. They, they, like, get, they started throwing soap at him. He ran out of there. Tears, tears rolling out of his face. <laughs> it was, and, and then they called the police. The oh police God. came. They called his grandmother and his. Parents. Sounds like something that happened in my camp. I don't know. I don't know if this at Dafka happened, but some, something. I'm sure something like this happens yeah. to a lot of stupid kids. Okay, yeah. and there's no and there's not a shredded difference between my level of intelligence and this guy's. This yeah. guy is probably smarter than me. Okay, yeah. this could have easily happened to me. I'm just lucky yeah. that it didn't. Okay, yeah. lucky. All right. <laughs> so so basically, you know I mean, like this is the slightest. So. <laughs> kid, he just you know he wanted to have this uh, experience and he, he didn't have great guidance that's all okay yeah. remember he's like 11 or 10 yeah yo man i think like they slapped they, first of all before he even got out of there they they he definitely received some kind of physical beating i don't know if it was from the soap yeah. that they threw at him or from shampoo bottles yeah. or 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 hairbrushes or they actually hit him a bunch of times i, I, I don't know okay Dude, our friend our friend brian walsingham said that this is a bad coming of age movie in this story this is not a great coming of age story okay this is a very painful 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 but he says the worst thing was the was the humiliation of his uh th- that you know in front yeah. of his grandmother yeah and his aunt yeah but his father was uh he doesn't know for sure mm-hmm. but the whole t- his father obviously was called there too yeah. but his father seemed to be turning wouldn't even look at him his father couldn't even look at whenever the thing was going on his father was was looking and and when he was a kid he interpreted that as his father he made his father cry yeah i have a different theory which actually brought him a lot of joy i was like did you see your father's face at any point during when you when when the police came he goes yeah for like a second here did you see any tears no did you see any like redness that no. means that means approval. that means he was laughing his ass off yes that's what it means inside okay yeah. all right god bless the, the kid had someone someone on his you know yeah on his side yeah he's probably even like proud he goes at least he's not gay like i, yeah. I wasn't sure about this kid he's probably inside like, oh, he's yeah, like he was probably saying to himself you know, and the boy, and also he's probably impressed because the balls it takes to, to yeah. do something like that. Yeah. But anyway, anyway, it was it was a nightmare for the kid. No, sure. right. Brave little uh, bastard. And you, and I could see like you know I could see when he was telling the story I could just see him reliving it you know. Yeah. I saw the pain. I saw the pain, yeah, and I imagine it was a little pain. Speaker, I was like, right? it's a Russian speaker. Th- this is a Russian speaker. But it's it's not you know like all my group of friends that you like you're, that you're familiar with. It's yeah. none of them. This okay. is came from like a no, no, I wasn't. This is like this is the fr- this is like the friends of the friends of a family sure. of of this this kid that I knew from whatever from yeah. not gonna even say where whatever it is. Okay, um, lived around my neighborhood. Yeah. So, oh man, what is it? so so the point of all that <laughs> was that things don't always work out as the way they show you on the TV. Yeah. With the moving pictures. Yeah. It's... Okay, so I mean, should we get back to uh, the original point quickly? Try to, because remember yeah. I was saying like remember just, I was trying to do the summary. Do? 
we should we should now re uh, relate this to what we were talking about with friend Rahel about. I was about why, to. I was about yeah, yeah, yeah. Why people are getting have gotten enamored with shamanism without any idea. It doesn't matter what it is. Like I was enamored. Well, well, the thing is, you see how these people are like the wokes. They because they came from like let's say mostly, uh, you know, if they came if they came from Christian families, if they don't have God or anything of the sort, they're just going to turn this thing into into a religion, whatever the hell this crap is. And they have to, to the point where it's so machmir if you don't adhere to their doctrines then you're a heretic and you need to be burned i mean canceled burned whatever it is ideas viewpoints that 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 take on what a lot of people incorporate kind of like it becomes a religion basically you know mm -hmm. kind of so <clears throat> unless your particular philosophy is specifically to make sure that doesn't happen yeah like like tech like Sam Harris technically that's that kind of is his philosophy. I was thinking more along the lines of the founding fathers. Mm, founding fathers, yeah, but well, they're by them it's like deism, I guess. Sam Harris is a high priest of of a religion, which is called atheism. It is, but I will say that um, at least he's a real atheist because you know, uh, people who again, pe pe there's people who say uh, like. Um, you know, or you'll meet like Russian, oh, speaking of Russian speaking Jews, the people who don't, who think everything that you and I do is Chipucha and Chaloimus will go to uh, Gadalki. You know, they're going to go to like psychics and all, and, and extra sense and all this kind of stuff. So all they're doing is just that they're, they're, they're basically, you know, it's like, it's not replacement theology. They're just replacing, uh, you know, mitzvot with superstition. So actually they're not atheists. An atheist is an atheist. An atheist is a person who doesn't believe in anything that can be deemed superstitious, whether it's God slash Torah or going to a whatever, you know, a, a psychic or any, anything of that sort. Like I had a friend who didn't believe in any of it. He thought everything is mumble jumbo. You know, I'm like, oh yeah, so you're a real atheist. Except for one time he, he told me that he had a professor in Rutgers who went to Haiti and spoke about... Uh, you know, Centuria. Yeah. And then my friend goes to me, you know, man, I don't believe in any of this mumbo mumbo shit, but this stuff that he was talking about, man, that stuff is real. <laughs> he's like, story. I don't believe in anything, but that, except I believe he's in like, that. No, but he's like the way he described it and the way that I read about it and the way that, and I met some of these people, you know, whatever it is, and, you know, Haitians in America. And I, and then I saw some stuff on my own, you know, stuff happening. He's like, that stuff is real. I'm like, so you don't believe in anything, but you believe that that at least is real. Their, their, their stuff. I mean, which, which actually it is. I mean, on the dark side. But, uh, it was just funny. I'm like, I'm like, dude, this guy's like a bona fide atheist. Nothing. Doesn't believe any, anything past the material, material world. I remember one time I was talking to him, and I, I remember this was like I had my best month ever trading stocks, my best month ever. And one of the a few of the days of that month, I had like situations where like I almost almost lost a lot. And then made it all back by some like miracle. So I remember being in the car with him, and I was like, I told him I had my best month. He's like, oh man, that's awesome. Oh, let's go celebrate, whatever. And I was like, yeah, man, thank God. You know, God really helped me. He's like, what are you talking about, man? You did this. You did this. You sat. There. He's like, God didn't sit. No, so invisible man didn't sit with you in a chair and click clickety clack buttons and figure out where to buy and where to sell. You did it. And I'm like, I, I got into this like 30 minute discussion with him on, in the car. I was like, dude, first of all, if you only saw some of the moments where it, 
it it was up until the last minute of the day, it was not going to be like that. You know, there was a big doubt as to whether or not I did it or I was going to do it or anybody was going to do anything. And and if you look at the situation that I was in, whatever it was, where I was about to lose a lot and then I ended up not losing anything or losing a little bit, it, it, it can only be some divine, you know, something from somewhere else. Definitely not a trade, any kind of trading, master trading strategy, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> and then for 30 minutes, he's like, no, you know, I'm trying to give cover to Hashem, like say, you know, without Hashem, I can't make this money, you know? Yeah, you can't make your finger, you can't make the mouse, you can't, the, the, where did this material come from? Yeah, or, or the idea, from? or the idea to even trade that particular stock at that particular time and whatever it is. Or how about the idea of stocks? How about existence? Yeah, but that's already, that's, I'm talking about just, you know. That's where it ends up. That's where the conversation should end up. Like Sure, sure. No, well, we, I think we it did end up eventually there, but I'm saying just on a basic level, just, you know, the idea of my skills, where that even comes from. Uh, you know, again, like, um, you know, the guy's like, you did it, you know, like with, with your own hand. And I was just like, no, man. And this is before I was from, I was like 26, 27 years old. But I understood like, you know, on a basic level that, 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 it, that it's not me. It ain't me. And then I, and then I proceeded to uh, spend all the money traveling around the world and doing whatever I wanted with women. And uh, yeah. Which reminds me, I wanted to read about, <laughs> I wanted, I wanted to read about Jack Parsons. There goes, there went that. No, no, no. I'm saying like, yeah. because, because he's also, you know, yeah. somebody anyway, but l- let me just, I really, I think I could finish up my point in yeah, about sorry. 55 seconds. Yeah. You could even put on a timer. Yeah. So again, uh, Christians, uh, European population. Okay. The, the one that we talked about, the migrations from the from the Middle East, okay? The reason why uh, the European population embraced Christianity, right? A little bit later, like halfway through history, like maybe earlier, 700, 600, uh, uh, 800s came to like Northern and Western Europe is because I think something seemed familiar to them because these are Asav, Descendants of Asaph, descendants of the of the ten Hebrew tribes, yeah. right, and also uh, a significant portion of Canaanites. Yeah. Okay, that's that, that's essentially what makes up the main body of the European population. Yeah. Okay, and North Africa to some extent. Okay, so um, when they when they heard the story of of Jesus, and they heard the names and the location, the place, and they. A lot of these like tribes, right? There are like many different types of tribes, many clans, all this kind of stuff. A lot of them, when you study, they had a tradition that they were from that region and that they still practice some of the things that they practiced back then. That these, like, they had like rituals, kind of like Muranos, yeah. right? Who they didn't know why they do it. They just know that it was a tradition that they carried on, but, you know, from, from a previous God yeah. that, that the God that they worship now defeated that God, but they still out of respect or I don't know what they concocted. Right. But they had like a connection to their Hebrew roots for those who are from the 10 tribes and Ace of two, to a less extent. Okay. Because Ace of, he started his own stream. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so what happened? So, so because they did have 
their origins in the Middle East, in the, in the Levant, in Israel, okay? Um, Christianity, with its Jewish garments, seemed familiar to them. Even, even a lot of the concepts, you know, like charity, like, you know, gentleness, uh, you know, being kind, being, you know, like just yeah. the good stuff that we all love, you know, like all that stuff was in the Torah too. So, so because that's part of Christianity, thank God. Okay. Yeah. So they, they, they felt it connected to it too. Okay. Sometimes and, they have it as a, too much. I'm sorry. Sometimes they go overboard with Hesed. That's why, that's where you what, get, you know, whatever it is, but at least it's, at least it was there, you know? Yeah. And Again, we're not talking about a situation where things are balanced. We're just talking about how, yeah. how ideas so. felt familiar and connect, and they connect to it. Yeah. Okay, and also um, the way that there's a lot of there's a lot of since they are descendants of Asaph, right? Yeah. So many of them are descendants of Asaph, yeah. and and even the Hebrew tribes that that the lost tribes that they, they forgot their identity. Mm-hmm. as a, they were absorbed into asaph yeah. okay so essentially they became as in asaph's camp okay and they adopted his view of the world that he that he essentially originated mm-hmm. okay so jesus the this concept the way that they see him right as um as well we have to actually we'd have to look at it directly and that's 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 a very very that has to be a separate episode yeah. But the way Jesus looks to Christians is something very similar to the way Asaph saw himself and the way that he saw his, it was his view of there on him. Yeah. Okay. So, and we have to get it in order to understand why that is. We'd have, to, obviously that's a whole separate episode. So for the yeah. folks at home, if anybody wants to hear that, let us know. But so mm-hmm. I just wanted to like, kind of like make that, connection okay so christian so christianity mostly was adopted by people who are descendants of asaph or d or closely related to him who adopted or were absorbed into his fold okay like like the hebrew tribes the 10 hebrew tribes okay and so they have this perspective on their on pin that was essentially crafted by asaph and it looks like asaph himself actually yeah. Now, for the folks at home, that's not that's not a, that's not necessarily an insult, but it but I do think it's wrong, definitely wrong. Okay, yeah. it's important to make that distinction because you know the way that there's like a childish view of Asov. You know, if you'd go to a let's say to an Orthodox Jewish home, you go to your yeshiva, right? Mm-hmm. So when when you hear the word Asav, right? When it's, you know, when kids talk about it, like, oh, he's like a scary monster or whatever. He's, that's yeah. how he's portrayed. Yeah. And for good reason, but it's not reflective. Like it's understand what I'm saying, not for good reason. Yeah. It's understandable. Yeah. But it doesn't necessarily match the, the full reality. Okay. It doesn't, it doesn't uh, focus on, that's only one sliver of, of who he is. Yeah. You, know, the, you know, when he went bad and the bad stuff that he did. But, before that, who he, who he is, the power he was given, what he was supposed to do and all that kind of stuff, and what he's still going to do, folks, still. Yeah. Okay, this is, this is a current event. Asaph, the, the, the drama of Yaakov and Asaph, Jacob and Asaph, his brother, yeah. has been unfolding and has not completed yet. Yeah. Okay, 
Asaf will be redeemed. Okay. And here's how he's going to be redeemed. And again, this is just my view, which was I extrapolated a lot from the from the way the Yair Davidi uh, was describing the lost tribe situation. Okay. Yeah. So some aspect of Asaf is redeemable. In Jewish uh, in the in, in Jewish philosophical language, or the not philosophical, but the language of Hashkafa, right? As and a good source for that would be Rabbi Kesson, if you wanted to. Uh, not a source, but he explains it well. So Asaf is split into three conceptual ideas, into three parts. Yeah. Asaf the liar, yeah. and that's expressed by the fact that he would deceive his father. In he was pretending to be all religious. Like he asked his father questions that only the most pious person would ask. Like, should I give a tithe from this salt and stuff? That's the classic example. Okay. So yeah. it's like, you know, super goody two shoes. That's yeah. how he would portray himself. So that's the liar. And then you have Ace of the arrogant. Okay. That's where he thought that he should assert his himself in the world, similar to the way Cain thought. This is a very Canian idea, okay? That God sent us to this world, okay? And he gave us full reshus. How, how would you say that? In Hebrew, reshut, or Ashkenazi pronunciation, reshus. Uh, um, free reign. Yeah. To shape this world in exactly well, the way. Authority or domain. Or... Right. Okay? We have the mandate, and, you know, God gave us the space, and this is not even, you know, it's none of his business what we do here. We got to... We got to dominate it, conquer it, and, and shape it, you know, and, and got to do whatever we need to do. And, and, you know, and morals be damned. And it's obviously much more complicated than that. It's, I'm being, I'm oversimplifying it, okay? So um, that's essentially like these two, these two different streams of, of, of thought that, that are essentially happening side by side. So. Asaph with that kind of mentality, right? It, yeah. Essentially making man into God. Like man is in charge here. Like Asaph is essentially saying, as did Cain, as did Ham, all of these people, great people, by the way. I know we, we treat them as like cartoon villains now, but if, remember folks, Cain, right? Adam's son. Yeah. God spoke to him directly. He didn't even speak to Abel, his brother, directly. Yeah. So what was it about Cain that merited him, merited him to have just, you know, one-on-one -on -one conversations with God as if they're old friends. Yeah. Obviously, he was great and something went wrong. Okay? Similar Ham, Noah's son. Not a simple guy. Yeah. All, each son of Noah was tremendous. They all had three completely different um, plans for engineering the world. Yeah. Okay? Um, and all of them were very complex and all of them were based on a high level of, of spiritual calculus. Okay. Nobody was simple. Yeah. Nobody was just pure evil or pure this or pure that. Okay. So Ace of, you know, in this, in the same, you know, following suit, you know, you know, he's like the, the greatest example of that and the most powerful of them all. Okay. And so he, so essentially the fact that he said that this world is our world and, and essentially, we are essentially the acting God of this world. Yeah. Okay. Because God is so hidden, it must be, there's more to it. This is a whole thing in itself. 
Okay, can't talk about it now. All right, so these are two competing views of the world. And this view of God, of man being in charge here and man, you know, reaching his ideal, his way, yeah. right? That, ex that explains why Christians are so, to me at least, why they're so obsessed with the idea of God specifically coming to the world and becoming flesh. Yeah. Right? To me, that's what it means to me. Okay. So, so what's going to happen? How is this? Because this is all going back to what you mentioned about uh, Ralph Cook's comments. Yeah. Saying that the Jews, right? <clears throat> they went to Europe. And wherever these migrations occurred earlier from the Middle East with the descendants of the lost tribes, the descendants of Asa, and then even the Canaanites, right? The Jews went to those places too, okay? To do the tikkun, to rectify those places, okay? So what were they rectifying? What were they trying to do? They were trying to raise the sparks, which in effect is going to cause the lost tribe. Because when you do the rectification, it brings that the, the, the effect that'll trigger Mashiach. Yeah. Part of Mashiach is to reabsorb the 10 lost tribes. Yeah. That was only possible because of the work that the Jews did in those areas. Yeah. Okay. And uh, again, the good work that the Jews did. I'm not talking about the bad stuff. There's plenty of that too, unfortunately. Yeah. Okay? So the good work that was done, which took a long time because it was mixed with bad stuff. Okay. That is going to trigger the coming of the Mashiach. And Mashiach is almost synonymous with the ingathering of the 10 lost tribes. Now, the ten, at this point, the 10 lost tribes have already mixed with Asaph. And as they are extracted, as Mashiach extracts, or the work of the Jews, Mashiach equals the work of the Jews. As the work of the Jews extracts the lost tribes back into the fold, the lost tribes in turn extract their that the part of Asaph that they connected to. And th that's how Asaph gets back into the family. It's like this chain-like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. Yeah. back and forth. Okay. Sure. Now, the three parts of Asaph, I, I didn't finish explaining that. So again, I said there's Asaph the liar. I explained what, what that means. Then you have Ace of the arrogant, who feels that he's God on earth, like Nimrod. Okay, similar, similar idea. Okay, that that fun functionally speaking, essentially, you know, we're, you know, that man is God or the main man, whoever is the dictator in charge, yeah. is God. Okay, a human being in the flesh. Okay? Yeah. That's arrogance. Okay, communism, by the way, says that. Yeah. Okay. Um, they come to a similar conclusion. Okay, so let's use Marxism. From now on, I'm not going to say communism or socialism yeah. because some wise guy socialist is going to be like, oh, you don't know the difference between yeah. communism. It never, no, it never existed. It never existed. No, no, just saying, no, because one guy tried to make fun of me one time years ago yeah. saying that, oh, you're not describing communism, you're describing socialism and this kind of socialism and that kind of socialism. Yeah. To get I'm going to use the word Marxist just to kind of, yeah. you know, people understand what that is too. When, it, when people get into the different hashkafa, <laughs> just like we do. Yeah, right, you know? the, 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 the nooks and the crannies, the nuances, right? Yeah. Okay, so, so then the third, the third part of Asav, right, which is, this is, by the way, if you can take these concepts 
and kind of overlay them over a human body. Like picture Ace of, like a guy. So you have like Ace of the Liar is one third of him. Let's say that's the feet to the knees. And then, and then the knees to the, uh, to the neck of the torso. That's Ace of the Arrogant. Yeah. And then there's Ace of the Head. Yeah. So the head is considered the part of Ace of that can be salvaged. It Which can be redeemed. Currently in Hebron. It, it, it can be elevated. Yeah. And the head of Ace of is called Ace of the Pleasure Seeker. Yeah. Okay. Now, the idea of pleasure is not in and of itself evil. Pleasure is related to this idea in Kabbalistic parlance, which is called klipat noga. Okay. It's a shell, a husk. Okay. So generally speaking, just as a crash course, you have to remove all the husks from the world. But some of the husks are unremovable. Like you got to let God take care of that. Only there's four categories of husks. Only one of them can we actually have anything to do with and try to fix. Okay. That's, that's klipat noga. That's, that's one way of describing the, the, the parts that we can do something about. So pleasure is something that can be elevated to God. You could find a way to use pleasure to serve God. Okay. You can serve. God said you have to have a, a, a holiday meal, a Shabbos meal. So if you make that meal pleasurable and use that to observe, you use the pleasure to observe God's commandment, what he wants you to do, then that is an example of elevating pleasure to serve God. So, so this part of Asaph, which is metaphorically uh, related to the head of Asaph, right? And for those who know the biblical story, his well, not the biblical story, but in our tradition, his head gets knocked off, but that's a separate thing, okay? His head, in the Midrashic tell, telling of, of this event, um, the son of Dan, Husham, the son of Dan, uh, he's deaf. Dan. He's deaf. Husham yeah. ben Dan, right. He's deaf, and he sees... And, and th th this is the circumstance. They're trying to bury Jacob. Jacob passed away. They're taking him to the ancestral burial site to be buried with his forefathers. And then Asav and his whole crew <coughs> try to prevent that from happening. So everybody, so that you got all these negotiations going on, right? Because Asav is a slick talker, yeah. right? He's a smooth operator, right? Yeah. He, you know, he knows how to, how, to, how to get you tied up in, in, the, in rhetoric. Yeah. But Husham is deaf. He doesn't understand what's the holdup. All he understands, he's getting, he's just like fuming mad. He understands that his grandfather needs to be buried. And these assholes are not letting this happen. So yeah. he is a simple thought process, perhaps. He takes his weapon and he goes to, to Asaph and he knocks his head off. Okay. Yeah. Now, the way it's actually explained is that he, had, he couldn't do it facing Asaph. He didn't like go up to him right in front of Asaph and knock his head off. He went behind him. Now, the reason for that is because Asaph was Jacob's twin brother. And he looked exactly like Jacob. So you can't, yeah. you know, it's like, you can't, it's, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, it's like, you know, it's, it's the image of the one you love most. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so, um, you know, obviously with some minor differences, but they were twins. Yeah. Okay, so, um, so that's so his head, right? In this uh, uh, midrashic telling, it 
fell, it, it got knocked off and it rolled into the lap, into the gravesite of where his father is buried. Yeah. Yitzhak, Isaac. So the head of Jacob is buried together in Isaac, with Isaac, yeah. which, is, which is a symbolic, it's more than symbolic, but part of the meaning is a symbolic way of saying that the head of Asaph can and will be salvaged. And that's the pleasure-seeking part of Asaph. And Rabbi Kesson, I believe, correctly connects the pleasurable part, yeah. the pleasure-seeking part of Asaph, with the United States. Yeah. The United States itself and the people who live in it are the tov sheba Asaph, the good part of Asaph. Yeah. Now, again, these are general concepts. Does that mean everybody here is the part of the... No. So, and also, does that mean that everybody in Europe is the bad part of Asaph? No, but you'll, you'll find some good individuals sprinkled around, but mostly, for the most part, yeah. yes, Europe is the arrogant ace of and the lying ace. Yeah, I mean, we could tell how they relate to uh, Israel with regards to Shumron, Judea and Samaria. That's right. All this and the organizations funding PA, whatever it is. And the part of Russia or the part of the Slavic world or, the, or let's say Eastern Europe, the Eastern, the Eastern Bloc of Europe that absorbed communism or Marxism, yeah. okay? Uh, whether or not some people think they did it right or not, okay? Um, that represents man asserting himself on planet Earth, right? Yeah. Moving away from God. Man should be in charge. Man will decide his way. Man is God. Yeah. There is no God, only man, okay? That's a big, that's a big part of Marxism, yeah. okay? So obviously, that's ace of the arrogant, Who's yeah. ace of the liar? Western Europe. Yeah. Why? Because they present a very sophisticated and enlightened face. Yeah. A very kind face. A very, you know, you know, a very liberal, progressive. Or as we say, politeness, which which is what got us into this mess to begin with. Okay, but they are essentially the root of all global, uh, of geopolitical. Um, Terror, war, and death in the world. Yeah. Even more than Russia. Much, much more than Russia. Africa, Middle East. Okay. Yeah. That, that ace of the liar has been raping the world more than anybody else beyond, yeah. beyond imagination. Yeah. Okay. But they put this face forward. You know, and to me, there's a lot of things that can kind of represent this idea, but yeah. none more than when they abolished, in the late 1800s, they abolished slavery from their European home countries, right? Yeah. But they continued it in the colonies. Yeah. So one of the reasons, you know, they wanted, to, they pretended to say that, look how enlightened we are. We're not going to tolerate slavery in our midst. But yep. what they really didn't want, they didn't want African slaves living with them yep. in that area. Yep. They, just didn't, they, they didn't want Africans around. They didn't even they, like They didn't ban slavery. They banned immigration. <laughs> right. They banned immigration. <laughs> Okay, they didn't want to see black people walking around and mixing with their, you know, with their with their with their daughters and their sons. Okay, like 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 you know, like what happens in the colonies. Okay, so there's a lot of other examples too, folks. Okay, uh, for instance, the Germans. You know, that's the one of the one of the best examples of Ace of the liar. Yeah, the hypocrite. Mm -hmm. You know, the classic example. You have the. The camps, the death camps, World War II, where people are being, you know what, I'm not going to say it over and over again, okay? 
But right next to where that's happening, next to the crematoriums, right, and people starving to death and being shot and tortured, um, you have uh, ballrooms yeah. with orchestras and with people dressed fully in their, you know, with the full, you know, the whole shebang, you know, the whole suit, tuxedos, everything, everything, the whole, the whole shebang, right? Women with white gloves, tiaras, the most beautiful kind of like events, just like the, you know, just like it was before the war, you know, they, they took it with them. The height of European sophistication, okay? That right there, that side by side is ace of the liar, yeah. okay? Um, so, but so that that those concepts, that kind of mindset, those people who could do stuff like that, that's not salvageable. Okay. So anyway, I just wanted to kind of like tie that in. Obviously, each one of these things has a lot of details, but this is <clears throat> this is how I see this is how I explain the phenomenon of Christianity and the role that it plays in the cosmic uh, relationship. Yeah that's still unfolding between the twin brothers, Jacob and Asaph. And that's where Aloro Cohen, Ariel Aloro Cohen should be focusing his efforts. Yeah. You have to bring back Asaph, okay? Who is, who is basically who you are describing as Jesus. Yeah. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it. <laughs> Feels good. Now you wanted to connect it to, to Marxism. Yeah, I mean, if it's not going to take too long, because I have to run in like twenty it's minutes. It's not because, but the only thing that I said was that both ideas. Yeah. Well, we already mentioned that part of it is that yeah. both ideas is about man asserting himself on this domain. Where There's also are. a lot of emotion involved. And the second thing is that it's a very, very charming and emotional uh, vision. Yeah. It's a beautiful vision. Both really are beautiful visions. It really is. Yeah. Okay. It's it's easy to see how someone could get attached to this. Like, I don't want to like, I, folks. I wish I had a better word than saying like uh, soap opera. Yeah. Or melodrama. Or no, no. You know what? It's not that. that like, because uh, that makes it sound like I'm not trying to say it's campy or corny. No, no, it's no. something more epic than that. Something like a, a what is it called? A tragedy? Not a tragedy. Uh, there's like a term for like an epic movie that's really really. You know, very complex and sad. It's like a, uh, an epic. Uh, How about an epic? We could say an epic. A saga. A saga. Something like that. There you go. Okay. It has. It, it's. It's. It's very, very powerful. Yeah. You know, and and it just people connect to it on an emotional level. Okay. Which, which by the way, Zer Anpin just by himself without his, without his attachment to Abba and Ima. Yeah. Is it just pure emotions? Yeah. Yeah. That that by itself explains emotional Christianity. Yeah. And the connection that people have. It's purely emotional. And it emotional, doesn't have the intellectual faculties yeah. connected to, and to emotional wokeism and, and of course the people that did this for the past two years played on people's emotions. You know, they scared the crap out of everybody. And that's and it's such a strong. It, it, it just it's so strong that that it's almost like you cannot it's almost impossible to undo the yeah. connection to it yeah, because can. people will literally do anything anything even if their rational mind starts to kick in these dueling 
qualities, these characteristics, these inner spherot will do battle against each other. Yeah. Okay. And the emotional side is in a sense more powerful. Okay. And its job is to submit to the intellect. Yeah. Okay. What I what I love is when the people that talk about, you know, look at how these Trump supporters, they worship Trump like this and this and this. I want to tell these same people that say I, that I don't worship Trump. No, 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 no. But but when the people that say that, tell them. Do you remember yourself in 2008 during Obama's inauguration? Look in the freaking mirror, bro. Like, I want to tell them this. Look, look at what you would... They show images of these people at, at the inauguration all over America. It was like religious fervor. They turned this guy, they gave him a freaking Nobel Piss Prize, I call that's, it. That's exactly well, what... did anything. My, that's exactly what my least favorite comedian... Nick DiPaolo said, he said, he, he's like, people looked at him as the freaking Messiah. As like, you know what I mean? He goes, you know what? But you know what I also did? Because when I saw him get elected, right? I ran over to the TV, to the TV. I pointed at it and I said, Jesus Christ. Yeah, exactly. Jesus Christ. <laughs> exactly. Dude, these people were like, oh, the first black. I can't believe we have a black president. He, he's not even black. He's not even black American. Let's put it that way. His John Amos for president. What? John Amos for president. I don't know. Eddie Murphy for president. I don't know. Whatever. No, like, hell no. Eddie's all enlightened and Chris, zen. Chris uh, Tucker. Chris Tucker. Hell no. Let me swear to uphold the Constitution. Don't, don't say this, man. <laughs> and you know this, man. You know this, man. <laughs> Chris Rock for president. I love black people. <laughs> why, not, why not Thomas Sowell? He's too old already. That's unfortunate. Why? Why is he too old? Why is Thomas he, Sowell too old? Still, he still has his wits about him. He's one of the smartest men and he probably would be the most truly conservative he's president 90, ever. He's 92 years old. He will, he will not he will be able to maximum probably have one whole term. Black folks, you could have had Thomas Sowell instead of you know who. Yeah. You know who I really like? This guy, I mean, he's kind of, he became, he was kind of strong back when Obama was president, but he kind of like faded out. Uh, Alan West, I really liked him. You know Alan West? Alan West, sure, sure. But he's he's a little too rhino. He's not rhino at all. Networked. He's not right, but he's not, but he's not rhino. I supported him. I, also I fought hard online. You know, I fought his trolls. Like I would spend yeah. like half my day fighting his trolls when he was going to get reelected. He's from Atlanta, but he was representing Boca. He was running in Boca, in Florida, and he lost to some Jewish guy, old Jewish guy or something, or some Jewish guy. Yo, can I take a, a, a 30 seconds? Um, I mean, is there anything else we want? Because I, I wanted to I wanted to read something about somebody that we mentioned from time to time called Jack Parsons. Is it, is it long? Because I literally Mamish like it's a New York Post article. Oh, because I, I Mamish have to go. Oh, you want to take 30 seconds to read the article? No, 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 no. I want 30 seconds to go to the bathroom, but I guess we will. I wanted to read this uh, as a as a intro um, to Alistair Crowley. I mean, can we do it? Just start it off in the next, next time. Next time. Yeah. In the words of uh, what's his name? Snoop. So just chill till the next episode. <laughs> It's a very mellow song. Yes. But uh, I got to go. I'm going to pee myself. So stay thirsty, my friends. All right, sir. <laughs> you handle your business.
Bye. Later.